I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Welcome everyone to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 267 once again with Andreas Exertus. Some stories are more true than others. Join the team as we reconnect with one of our favorite brain-soul combos. That's a nice one, Jim. <laughs> Exertus and plumb the depths of myth, meaning and meta-realities. Once again, well met, Andreas. Hey, uh, hey, nervous systems. How's it going? Hey, what up? Hey, spaghetti monsters. You? Um, I think spaghetti idea... monster. Can we just really quickly jump into spaghetti monster? So the other day, I talked to a seven-year-old, and he just found out about the spaghetti monster, and he was like, "This sounds way more intense than God." Like you know, the Boy Scouts, you can't be a Boy Scout unless you believe in God. If you don't believe in God, you believe in blood. if you believe in the spaghetti monster. But like, isn't that like a homunculus, uh, like evil Lovecraftian thing? Yeah. It's like the most terrible. And he was like, "Yeah, the spaghetti monster eats people." And I was like, "Oh my, like dude, you know, I think you figured it out." All right, keep going. It's, it's the thin man. <laughs> but not um it's i'm glad you could come on last minute because we had uh somebody be like i forgot even who is scheduled oh rafael had a friend who did, we had an issue with scheduling and uh basically i hit you up and steve warner and steve warner is in turkey traveling and busy and you weren't so that's how it works but busy is a, a relative term i actually have a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff going on right now but it's like the perfect moment well there's so busy and then there is being on team rabbit hole you know so <laughs> yeah, right. no, I had well, to take a rabbit hole so I could like get a moment of clarity because I've been making a lot of new content. I have a lot of new content about to come out. I was about to record this whole new thing I'm doing on Sir Francis Bacon, and then you hit me up. I was like, "Well, this would be a good time to like talk about that Massage stuff." The break. idea, you know what I mean? And then kind of yeah. yeah, spaghetti monster Methuse. Mm. Um, so you know what we do down here? Uh, Two six seven reduces. I think you've been on the Lovers Card episodes like a lot. I feel like this comes mm. up a lot whenever you're That's on. That's brutal. Lovers Card. Like <laughs> I am the gateway to the divine. The lovers is about seeking connections with others, blending opposing ideas into one, making a choice and accepting yourself as you are, giving and receiving freely. Raphael, what card <laughs> you got? Oh, uh, this is uh, a good one. So you can see this is the nine of wands. Oh yeah, with a devout deck. Um, nine of wands is yeah. awesome uh, because it's a, literally it's called the Lord of Strength. Attributions are force, resolution, readiness hidden passion, rapid, unpredictable change, and strength through balance. And also, it's numerologically, it's the 35-8, which also is the same, at least as in standard English numerology, as Orion, which is just a sync for me. But anyway, so that's your card for this show. Is uh, You said this is 267, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was just doing a quick gematria. I had to know, you know? And so yeah. apparently, 267 is God the Omega... Uh, choose God and dreadlocks, which I think is pretty fun. Also, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so there's something there, I'm sure. 
Well, none of this look like dreadlocks, but they aren't my, like I don't have dreadlocks. Um, it's funny because I was just they're like rabbinical. Oh yeah, this is very Hasidic. I can see that. Yeah. Um, like a Jedi. So, oh yeah, <laughs> like Jar Jar Fucker. Um, although I do, I really do think Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. I've seen this theory. Oh, for like, sure. This, this makes total sense. Do you get that um, the Jedi, the Jedis are about Judaism, right? Yeda, Yed, and it's like the whole Yoda means to know in Hebrew and Darth Vader had, it's the original Darth Vader, like he has the he, of the high priest. He, Hebrew writing on his chest. It's actually okay. Hebrew letters on the, it's not just that the, it looks the same. It's literally Hebrew, and then they had to make a Star Wars language and CGI out. Some stories okay, and as you as you as you talk about it, you know, some stories being more real than others. What about uh, maybe you've also seen this? Maybe somewhat recent or not, Sylvie Ivanova um, video because I just had a talk with David Ewing Jr. once again yesterday. Also, thanks to you. Love that guy. And oh yeah, and. <laughs> And he was like, you know, he always goes on about, you know, what about all the Arabic writing on Christian kings' garments and in Christian churches and so on. And, you know, so because you mention uh, Hebrew, which already we would say, oh, it's ancient. But according to this theory, also the Hebrew writing would only be a dialect of Arabic, for lack of a better term. So what say you? It, I, I think it's an it's a it's a dialect of math, you know. So like Hebrew lacks uh, vowels, Arabic actually has a lot more fluidity of language, and there's different la systems that were being used by the Phoenicians to record phonemes. And we don't even, you know, the word Phoenician is just what we call them now, but Tar and Tyrians, and it's actually a big thing that the Tartarians had, you know, recorded phonemes of different varieties. But yes, modern Hebrew, you can see there's a lot of Arabic and Persian, and then there's German. Then there's you know German words that are very common. In terms of grammar, it's 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 uplifted, um, but also German has Sanskrit roots. So does the Slavic and Greek roots. So it's become kind of a hodgepodge in a lot of ways. The main thing that's valued there is that it's always been about the math. So even if you go back beyond the spoken Hebrew, because there's a point there where Hebrew isn't spoken um, the way it is today until like the 20th century, they start recreating Hebrew based on what they remember about it. They have yeah, a lot of and, memories. And no one now. spoke Italian up to 1950 almost or something like this, you know? Well, th this is another thing I keep seeing <laughs> is so almost anyone who doesn't want to talk about Tartarians, like, so you can see when someone's not talking about Tartarians in the 19th century, when they say the modern Italians, I mean, one of the ways you see like the modern Chinese or the modern Manchurian or the modern Italian, but they use the word modern. And it's because they're admitting that Italy's existed for what, a hundred years, 200 yeah. years, Germany, all of Europe is very much as new as the United That's States. That's not like an Etruscan thing. And, and, and I have to bring this up. So Etruscan is literally backwards. If you take the word, like, so they don't, so they now in the last year or two, they figured out how to read Etruscan, but they don't actually understand the phonemes. They can only guess based on certain words from the kitchen, which are the last words that made it because certain things that women were using, they didn't have a word for, they could continue to use. But what we do know is the letters of Etruscan are literally mirrored backwards. It's as if they took the cuneiform like tablets and instead of rolling them like they're supposed to, just tried to read them. You know, it's like they were looking at, backwards letters. And so Roman is a, and a lot of people say, hey, Satanists in the 15th or the 13th century, we're saying, hey, this stuff is backwards and we have to do everything in reverse. No. So it's interesting because a big part of the Merovingian uh, period was to kill off people that were trying to do things backwards, which was old Etruscan. In the last two years, they've actually figured out how to use algorithms that will pick up what the words were about. And so we're just now figuring out what Etruscan you know, was like, but it's only based on 
specific poems and things that have made it that were in like certain kinds of uh, places in Tarpeia, right? But the whole thing is Rome today's, I think we've had this conversation. They have a yearly holiday where they they um, celebrate the sacrificing and the raping of the Sabines, the sacking of the Sabines and the raping and pillaging of Tarpeia and where she throws herself most of the women were just married off to the Romans after they stole their husbands and, you know, like drug them. But Tarpeia, the, the daughter, Tarpeia, she jumped off a cliff. And so they, they remember that every year as how Rome started. That's like the 4th of July, you know. Is there any etymological uh, con- connection to Tarpeia and Tartaria? That, that's so Other what you see. Tar. Yeah, tar, <laughs> so tar, tar, tar and burr. You see tar and yeah, tar and burr, you know, so like burr is Berber and barbar. And so a lot of the time you see a connection there. But the thing is that Tartarians didn't really refer to themselves as Tartarians, the same as Phoenicians. So it's a term that we use like Tartarus and everything that all obviously comes from the Tartars. But so does tar on your teeth and what in tar nation and like all of these things are, you know, their use, their use of the, the, the term tar originally comes from father then it becomes dead, like an underworld, you know? And I'll have to bring this up once again, just because, you know, I really love that game. And by now it's version three. They just released the DLC, Crusader Kings 3. You know? Oh, nice. And each and every time, of course, waiting for the Game of Thrones mod to really get it going. But um, it's just so incredible because, you know, I mentioned this. I was literally playing that while listening to, I believe, Sarah Westall interviewing Sylvie Ivanova about three, four years ago. And I was just wondering, like, what about all these things? Can this really be true? It's just a database. And like literally one of the main settings you have is Hungarian migration and when that should start in the in the game, you know, immediately or at a certain time. And all that happens on the game map is you have this certain land, I guess, just across some kind of a river, like Middle East or something. And from there, suddenly the Hungarians, wherever they came from, uh, suddenly changed their religion in game from Tengri to Taltoish, to Taltoish, yeah, Taltoism, and just invade Hungary, you know, and that's it. <laughs> and there, there is the old religion again, and that that's just it, you know, and how obviously it would have to be a simplification, but just how to, to understand the depth of uh, the manipulation if you have wrong history books or simplified and then what simple crazy story they tell you and you just accept it and it gets integrated into all into all kind of media and that's the new world you're contained in and this is i guess the orwellian rewrite of history that you know of course through entertainment especially can then subconsciously be fed you know People are like, oh, you know, now I'm learning about something, even though 99% of that history, most likely, according to Fomenko, even just that example, is just plain wrong. You know, it's just, it's literally a fantasy game, you know? Um, it's, it's just, like, it's also, Why do you object but, so much? <laughs> but that's exactly, because there's certain things about uh, myth that are more true, and you have to figure out why. So that's one reason Shakespeare is so valuable. I remember when I was young, I started watching cartoons. And I said, I would be seeing like news and be like, this is ridiculous or whatever, like things that were Less for adults. And then, yeah. and then you see a G, G, like rated G for Freemasonry cartoon for kids. And you're like, wait a second. This is the truth. This is where they can hide the wrinkles of society because it's supposed to be not true. So Francis Bacon, right, has always been credited with 
Um, not always, but for, for right. centuries, people have contested he wrote or paid to have written a number of adapted plays from the 13th century that are, you know, from Arabic origins and Holland, you know, had got them from the Cordoba Caliphate through Spain. Cause that's another thing when you talk about like Christians, well, Christians in the Cordoba Caliphate, it's a huge area that was Muslim for a long period of time. So I have a Cordoba guitar. It's funny that you said, I was like, Oh, noted. That is a nice kind of guitar. I love Cordoba. It's like actually a place to be. It's a place you want to drink wine. It's a wonderful. It's a wonderful spot in Spain. It's a place they also to make had stories. They don't know. They had like they had like electricity in the 1300s, and if you go there now, I was wondering if those were stories. But they literally have windmills, water mills that are spinning, and the whole thing's a giant star for it. And then these giant airport-sized buildings built a thousand years ago that are just crazy. Like definitely, Cordoba is one of the most. You know, it's one of the secret wonders of the world. But this idea of starting a new, like we have these reset civilizations of foundlings, you know, and could we have all just been given these stories and, well, what are the origins of the stories and what are they trying to get us to learn? Like in the end of, and this is like a thing I'm trying to put in my next video is a story about New Atlantis. Sir Francis Bacon wrote a story that he didn't publish. Like it wasn't like, hey, Sir Francis Bacon put out New Atlantis. It was like he died. Silva Silvarium is some book on experiments and mineralogy and you know plants. It's not. Cool it's, it's not. It's it's like a boring but awesome book. It's a great book. It's about ten centuries it's a of TED research. Talk book, basically, <laughs> it's a TED Talk book, and it's got about half of the things are dubious information from like experiments he's never done himself that he's heard happened over the last a thousand years. But he's saying like that, reanimating things, or like what do you mean by dubious? Well, I mean certain kinds of things that are, aren't really empirically obviously connected. Said, well, this happens when you boil oil and you put it on someone's skin or this kind of thing. Yeah, there, it's not, it's not quite there, but what ends up happening is he gets into Christianity as being this um, post St. Thomas Aquinas enlightenment idea. And, you know, so we have science and we're using Christianity as an excuse for science. It's a very different world than it is today this is the point yeah. when they're saying that science is the only this is why priests became yeah. scientists right so he yeah. wrote he wrote he writes this book and it says silvarium you know silva silvarium 10 centuries of experiment of uh, natural history and and he doesn't he and he dies he does, it's like a kubrick thing you know he's dead before eyes wide shut gets out and someone mm. puts out this book it's his uh his, his editor and then it released with this copy of a thing called New Atlantis, Nova Atlantis. And in no in Nova Atlantis, it tells this story that it's, you know, supposed to be obviously a myth, right? And it's clearly it's kind of like a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. It's a metaphor for what's going on right now or what's happened in Vietnam or has happened in, you know, World War 1 or whatever's going on in Palestine. Like there's constantly a metaphor, you know, that Sir Francis Bacon's been doing and Shakespeare is the same way and so that a lot of people connect it but the other thing is people think that Shakespeare and Sir Francis Bacon are involved with King James writing the Bible, or at least the way the Bible is uh, presented in the King James version. And, it was a Freemasonic thing, but I could be totally well, wrong. I thought like, they were kind of like, we're going to be the filter through which this is dispersed. Basically. And so, but the yeah. other thing is the Freemasons come out of the Jesuit suppression, which is happening just before, just during, and then all the way after for 60 years into the 1700s. Uh, so they're, they're the Jesuits losing certain kinds of power in certain places and also like what's going on in England because the Catholic church and the Protestants are fighting with the King, you know, for, for centuries back and forth until King Charles II 
secretly or becomes there was a Catholic. Facebook fights. It was in the yeah. street. <laughs> but 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 King King but King Charles II secretly became Catholic on his deathbed. So he or he'd rather had done with the room. <laughs> yeah. So it took it. Took, it was like so the Catholics had had lost power when the Jesuits had been excommunicated because the Jesuits just went around the Catholic Church. But then when the Jesuits were back in charge of the Catholic Church, then they well why not use the biggest corporation you have? So at that point they they kind of built this whole empire, but there's this other this is other period this puritanical period that they're talking about not having kings they're going to have a commonwealth you know lord elizabeth uh made uh sir francis bacon like the attorney general and he was like the first guy who's permanently on the council you know there's a parliament but then there's also the advisors to the queen which is a dynamic relationship and so he wrote this book and in the book it talks about this world other this new world it's basically america gets discovered and it's already perfect. Get this. It's not teepees and stuff. It's Tartaria. It's all these giant buildings. And what happened was they found a copy. Uh, it's like Secrets of Nim. You know, they found a copy of the Bible. And then they've built their whole society. Like, it washed up on the shores. And they built their whole society off of this random book that they somehow figured out how to read that washed up on the shores from some other world. And it's a very weird book. But it's a, it's a, it's a it's a static utopia where everyone is part of, they're all called scientists. There are scientists, philosophers, and they're all part of this, uh, you know, perfect. Uh, every, everyone is involved in furthering society and bettering mankind. And it's one of the reasons they haven't noticed anyone else. Cause they're so busy right there where they are trying to figure out what's going on. And then eventually like the society is going to collapse because we're going to find it or the um, English are going to find it. And the way they're going around destroying we're the things, Visigoths. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we're because because we're hypocrites too. Or, well, he's saying that the people who the Bible actually came from, and it's interesting how he's saying that's English people are the hypocrites, and that the Bible, if read just in absolute static, would be you know it would be perfect. You'd have a perfect society because they would do what it said, you know, which is a very weird hypocritical way of of looking at it. And it's interesting because like of course it doesn't talk, it doesn't presuppose that the English are bringing Christianity to a world that doesn't understand it. It's a world that understands it better and understands where it comes from and more. Exactly. And so you have to imagine what the book would have been like if he knew he was going to die when he published it or whoever, however it was changed because there's like six different versions. Some of the Silva, I I think all of them include it, but like they're never mentioned in the table of contents. They're just, it's just in there. And yeah, it looks like they changed it a bit because they were worried about what it would do to society if they had this right as they're going out and they're trying to do this Virginia company thing. If they're to imagine what happens if we go to someone who's more advanced than us and, you know, we don't need to baptize them. It's an existential funk. I mean, that would be the equivalent of us, you know, obviously going to the moon and finding bases or whatever now, or, you know, we're like, holy shit, like what we didn't know. And how would we deal with that? It's not something I want to go on long about, but the Hippocratic Oath and hypocrisy, I get Greek is a root word for a lot of things, but I just think it's funny that like a lot of doctors probably take that shit and like literally are probably more or less hypocrites with it. <laughs> anyway, just yeah. amusing. Nothing, nothing we have to talk about, which is like, oh yeah, Greek words, hy- hypostatic union, yay. Um, they can't help it. Watching, that no, was life. Watching your, uh, so uh, something I've done recently is watch um, 
36 hours on two speed of Jordan Peterson's 434 psych class or something like that with Pinocchio and all this kind of stuff. I thought it was really cool. And, but in juxtaposition to what you just put out with your um, little mermaid uh, short stories, because there's a few, I like the stand for one, but you're like, if you believe that shit, you know, here's some moon tickets. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I must be the gullible audience. I mean, um, it could, it's probably, it's partially true, but it's not, it can't be the whole story. It's just too, it's too perfect. I just got like to the first, second one. I mean, the second one with the, the Soviet soldier or something is like Uncle Uncle Joseph is Jesus kind of vibe. And, right. uh, and the, the first one, I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, the way this seemed, and maybe just because I spoke with David yesterday, but immediately I was like, oh, this is this bullshit. You know, like, what, what, what is this? Like, you go back like, to the ditch for a second time, you get scammed and... I'm like this really more sounds like even though Tesla generally understandably seemed like as the as the patron oh, saint okay. of of you know like free energy understandably it really makes it seem even more like this is just a introduction story put by whoever you know for the technology transfer that occurred you know with whatever they had yeah and I mean go to the ditch again I mean I'm nice he wants it's nice he wants to be free but I'm, I was like okay He's whatever jealous, man. yeah well sure. so yeah. the the thing archetypical is, though, yeah. There's there's like there's drama added to the the way the way it works out though is that Westinghouse hires him after that. Westinghouse is like, A, awesome. B I hate I hate Edison. I hate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah Edison's so lame. Everyone hates just, Edison, right? And I'm sorry so. just to bring this up just very briefly. Even this idea that uh, in the whole founding of America, and you and I can talk about it maybe a bit differently because I'm remote i mean here we have other origin stories with the uh, you know kaiser franz josef and all the austro-hungarian empire and so on um but especially then i i don't even know what it means but this movie gangs of new york or whatever oh right i love that it's a great book too and and just this idea that could it really be that whatever happened there there were really just a few families that just partitioned off the land and we're like fighting each other really low level gang style even and then some took over you know one some could say just in terms of the, the named and known ones maybe one could say the Rothschilds have been added the longest or whatever so they're the top dog and that's it and it's really just a, again another big high school playground or something well, the, like those are those are like apples and oranges so like gangs of new york is about like a reset new york so when you when you watch the movie it kind of lacks context but you're you're shown this world where it's all insane everyone's being killed and then Wild you're West. like, wait, this is yeah. this is New York City. But you have to remember, New York City was bombed at the end of the movie. So whatever exists several times back has been burned down, bombed, and destroyed. And New York City is constantly being destroyed. So there was already a high advanced civilization that existed. And then you have these people that are, for, for lack of a better word, brought in from Ireland. They've been, um, you know, they've been forced into a famine with Peruvian b- potatoes of monocrop in nature. Refugee status. Yeah. And they're, they're, Monsanto they're star- 1.0. <laughs> they're starving on an island surrounded in fish and kelp. It doesn't make any sense. So they're being forced to do this. And then they're put at gunpoint, literally. Like they're starved to put at gunpoint and then they're used to genocide people in the United States to make sure that there's not very obvious records of what kinds of families existed in certain states that they had confederated when the Native American Confederacy were you know, a lot larger going up into like the Arawak, you know, kingdom. So when, when, when New York, it gets to that point where everything is falling apart and it looks, it looks completely terrible. They're still living in that scene where they're in the giant building. That's an old, uh, Oh, I know you're talking about the cutback thing. Yeah. So the bars, the bar is in a tree and there's a giant, um, uh, beer 
brewery, a giant brewery that people live in, which is this huge building that eventually burned down in like 1990 or something, 1909 or something like that. So you have no records of all these buildings, but you do know that they already existed and were abandoned before this point when all these people are living in them in the corners of all of the building. So clearly somebody's already come in and built this giant infrastructure, which is, which is collapsed. And then people have moved into the corners of these, again, giant buildings. These are very big buildings that have 100-foot ceilings in the rooms. You know, not not five, not 10. And then they eventually are building up. Some people were smart enough to build floors between these. But this is, this is what a lot of the people were living in. And you can see it in Gangs of New York. It actually was pretty accurate. And the book is even more to the point where you're like, wait a second. These were dudes who, you know, on a boat – saved their resources when they got to america they were star crazed predators and they were their own little troop and then they What's started like feet? yeah the, 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 the dead rabids the lucky rabbit's foot you know so that that whole the de- well, dead rabid um means tough guy in uh celtic so that's uh mm-hmm. that's why they're called the dead rabbits you know and so the, you start to see like okay well like these the yakuza groups, of ireland basically. yeah and but like the Yakuza, you know, I mean, I was, we've talked I'm sure about Peru, like Fujimora, like the, the Yakuza are all over the place and they run, you know, South America in a lot of the respects as well. Like, we've never talked about that. Dude. Excuse me. I know there's a lot of Japanese in Brazil and stuff. <laughs> one, time I got, um, I, one time I got saved from slavery when I was at the border of Ecuador and uh, Mancara because uh, basically my passport was stolen. I was for six months. I was like living. I, I was like living off the, you know, yeah, the gringo ghost. I was a Just, white slave. And then eventually, luckily, but I had met the Ganaha clan. And so a guy had gotten me out. Basically, I'd seen a guy in Paraguay take off his shirt one time and see he was covered in tattoos. We got to talking. I was like, okay, I know what's going on. I had no idea that how pervasive they were in Peru and in, but they're respectable people that run a lot of businesses and are involved with politics, you know? So basically he rescued me. He had a guy sent and got me smuggled out of the country. It's like, I was like, Oh my God. So yeah, thanks. Even if that's all I've walked away from for today, it's like, that is fascinating. I'm like, bro, <laughs> oh, just give us a little context because I've been in Ecuador. I was up in the Andes up in where the, the devil's train is or whatever up in uh, the baths. Baja, um, Baja, um, yeah. um, but uh, what the fuck happened exactly? So on my way <laughs> to Ecuador, I was in Peru. I get a Mancara. Okay. Mancara is, is the city? border. It's a border town. It's a beach town, basically. Okay. And then I was drugged and I had my passport stolen. And then at that point, roofied. I was, yeah, I was roofied. And then at some point, Not I was working. Else. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, well, it just felt. I just didn't remember. I, I mean, I was. Forget I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't remember what was happening. And the next day, I, you know, I woke yeah. up in the middle of the night. I had no, none of my stuff, but like I'd already left my backpack at a hostel, so I ended up working at this hostel for like months and then you know eventually well they give you free they give you free food and then they let you like go out and do your thing so no like hey let's be solution oriented and get him back to the country of origin like the consulate or they were just like you know free labor that's what's up (laughs) you would you would think that this masad run hostel would like want to do that but actually getting free labor out of people seemed like a problem masad run hostel yeah, all the other thing is that they were run by the Mossad, you know, because they own the entire <laughs> building, which is like 
Yeah, I mean, you start, you start to find out. You start to find out. So you, so you were Korea. stranded there, and and you started working for the Israeli intelligence. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> hospitality. It's a way to put it. So, but you know, uh, you could also. Yeah. I got away because of the Yakuza, and that's there's Dude, the friend. That's gigs in New York. You got gigs in Ecuador. I mean, yeah, I mean, or whatever <laughs> gigs in South America. That's uh, not even I scary love... compared to Paraguay or Chile, though. Like that was just like that was what basically the, the well, dude. Another, I don't know. There's too many of these. Another time, I feel like. Well, we got a little of it. So I basically, I basically was like, after after that happened, I vowed I would never come back to South America, right? But then I got then Ian and Ian got me working for the Peruvian government, and then we were doing the Amazon rainforest cleanup, and then the president Alan Garcia shot himself or was assassinated. We're not sure, but he's suicided, and then we had to flee the country through Paraguay and go to Chile. You know, like the the pilot, um, the airline lady bought tickets for us to like a bunch of different flights or like set it up to look like that and then canceled all the airline flights. It gave everybody waiver because it's a small Amazon airport. And then it was like maybe like uh, 10 planes, though, you know, of like of like 20 to 30 people per plane. And then sent us saying that we're going to go and we went to, to Paraguay and then to Chile. And then we stayed there and the Chilean government basically kept us safe for a while after Al Garcia died. So I mean like that, a memoir, that was probably I feel like one of the most gnarly ones in South America, you know. That and also when Niesman died, which I'm sure we had to have talked about the time in Argentina. Yeah. Well, okay, so one time I was in Argentina and then there was this lawyer and he was working for a case for like 10 years about the Israelis getting or the uh, the Jewish community in Buenos Aires being bombed or something like that. And then he got killed. Like he met us, he gave us a thumb drive. And the next day or two days later, we were in Paraguay. He got killed in Argentina t- two hours before his court trial. And he was supposed to go up and talk about like how he'd found out who was involved. And we basically figured out later, you know, what was going on was that there was a grain for oil deal between, Oh, the house of Saudi, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. And also when it happened the same day he died, the king of Saudi Arabia died. And so Mohammed bin Salman became the king. It was this big, crazy thing. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's not even in line. He's not supposed to be king right now. And it was very obvious what happened. And then basically we put out, I got like a Python script and we wrote some stuff that got all of this data from the thumb drive and showed a bunch of information as quickly as possible. And so our friends put it up as a BBC correspondent. Like we put it through, like, and also the Guardian. I think there's several articles that were talking about this. Um, but later, I made you kind like, of a target. Yeah. So, so yeah. I was in, so I went to Paraguay for a long, you know, Love I was it. living with an East German guy who was drunk, screaming with howler monkeys, the East German national anthem at night. It was great, you know, but I was safe. <laughs> the thing was, the, the president your life is a mystery. Keep going. <laughs> the president had to leave. I, I, I'm trying to process it. I'm still trying to hey, process you're okay. it. Okay, you're you're like the a pre- hipster Indiana Jones. It's like, the, what the actual <laughs> fuck are you doing out there, bro? But the point, the the, the benefit <laughs> of this was the president, uh, Christina Fernandez Kushner. I think she had to leave office, right? And then she went to the UN. And she said that she was pressured by Obama to give up nuclear secrets. And I was like, whoa, because I didn't even get that part yet. And I'd been in Bariloche, gotten all of this stuff about Island Lake Humal. I'd been down to Bariloche and I'd gotten all this recordings and I'd swim. You can't go. So there's an island in the middle of a lake where the first nuclear power reactor was ever built in the world. Not by the, or well, you know, I, I hope you yeah, would argue with yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Africa's got a natural one, I thought. Post, yeah. post volcano reset Tartaria stuff. I'm just saying that in so the 50s, 
Right. So recent Tartarians, Richter, he's Hans Richter. He builds this thing at Lake Island, Island Humel. And you can't visit it, but I went cause he's just, you, you swim. It's like ice cold glacial water, half a click, but you get there. I have my phone in a Ziploc bag. So I took some photos of the place. It's a giant brick square place without a roof and everything. And I think, I think they were like freaked out that I had figured out something I didn't quite even process yet because then she goes and she's like, dude, I had no interest in this whatsoever. And I was like, Whoa, interesting. Because the whole thing was about how they were trying to get Saudi Arabia and Iran nuclear secrets, which is a big thing. Cause we're trying to say the United States hates Iran having nuclear secrets and that Saudi Arabia, all of a sudden having them wasn't going to somehow make its way to Iran. Hmm. But where did they come from? Not from Russia. Not from the United States. They'd already collaborated on that level. From Argentina, from the you know the the Germans. And I think Baraluchia, I've heard this name before, but maybe I'm wrong. Isn't that where all Best the uh, Nazis ran off to? Well, yes, but the thing is, <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, Argentina has a lot of Italian uh, communists, and so Argentina was not a great place for Nazis to stay. So a lot of them ended up going up to Paraguay. Gangs in New York. Yeah, but they're. There is a lot of money in Argentina if you go down to Patagonia. Actually, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where they went was Patagonia in Argentina. So Argentina has a long history of people that were, you know, kind of involved. Yeah. Yeah, the world. Interesting stuff happened. And it gets really close to Antarctica. Um, (laughs) Okay. I mean, you just just (laughs) – Yeah, I know. I was like, all right. It feels like I'm on fake acid. I'm kidding. I keep I keep referencing this fake acid because I just tested. If people don't know, tested the LSD that I thought was LSD, and I've been taking. I thought it was. Anyway, it's like I got ten tabs of it. And I was like, oh, this shit's really strong, and I've been kind of munching on it for the past two years. And then my fiance was like, you should test it, and I did, and it's totally, Bino or whatever the fuck it was. And N B O M twenty five I. You got to be, yeah. and that's a really. I think that's really interesting. I think some people won't. Like people who don't do drugs don't understand the intricacies of research chemical biopharmacology and how they're telling people this is something called acid, which is such an ambiguous term. And they're literally big pharma. It's big pharma testing drugs on people because they're telling Mm -hmm. you with the placebo effect, it's going to feel good. And then eventually you're out there like, oh yeah, cool. And then they can see how you respond better than a lab mouse or a monkey or something like that. You have to be very careful with what they're, but at the same time, Who's to say LSD or is better or worse than 25I until they've done all those tests? Do you want to be the person they're testing it on? I don't know. Guinea pigs come from As South America, so do potatoes. We're on the topic <laughs> and also South America. Do you have any experience with uh, 5-MeO-DMT? Dude, so when that <laughs> stuff shows up at your house, people in the neighborhood get worried. They, don't, they just feel it. I think there's just a dangerous feeling of uh, death, like of ego death. That surrounds five. I think now. it's pretty tasty, but you know, he just there's did a it, movie. Apparently. Don't really. Did I'm doing you not fake have, drugs and he's doing fucking real drugs. Apparently. Did you do? Did you do like an MAOI inhibitor with it or something to make it like no, full really. body or? No, 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 no. I just had the, <clears throat> in this case, privilege of being with an indigenous, and oh. so I was very well, you know, uh, safe and sound in that sense, and also it doesn't take so long, you know. So and I'm way kind of different. <laughs> But it's but it's certainly way different than even uh, regular DMT. Um, but yeah, I mean e- ego death. Yeah, but I mean I, I love this kind of stuff. But you know, team right. rabbit also what to say. And also what I was wondering, and I'm I'm not even asking for a specific answer, but just as you were talking about whatever you spoke about, and I was like rabbi, rabbit, 
Arabic. We know that one already, but why rabbi and rabbit? Do you have any clue? Because, because they took the cross, the, the, the T's, the cross, and they, the rabbis took the T's from the rabbits on oh. the hill. Mm. I don't know. And ISIS <laughs> and the chocolate bunnies. I don't know. Who knows, man? Plus, there's also the hill. I think it's just the rabbits on the hill, but ISIS is associated with the bunny uh, goddess, right? Fertility and all that. Yeah. Rabbit's a weird one. When you start looking into the rabbit symbolism, I think we've, I hope we've done this before. I have a couple episodes on on uh, Akanian mysticism in, Af- in ancient Jeez, Africa. <laughs> Subliminal. <laughs> right? Rabbits everywhere. Rabbit, but, rabbit. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, so the Chinese have the story about going to the moon, the, the rabbit who went to the moon with the princess. Uh, and then there's the ancient Egyptian rabbit hair god. There's like demons associated with rabbits. And then that's another thing is demons associated with rabbits and rats and bunnies and uh, mice. I mean, sorry, like the, the entire like the kind of marsupial to little mammal rodent, all those things. There's a number of associations with them that are less than deity. So. I think in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Anya is really afraid of rabbits. It's a bad omen because rabbits will multiply. They'll eat up all the food. The food won't grow. It's like it's associated with a lot of problems. But they're beautiful, cute little things that are kept as pets. But they're also really sensitive and they die really quickly. Walt Disney's first character was Oswald the Rabbit. I mean, there's Alice in Wonderland because he had a live action thing. But in terms of of works and him... Before he did Mickey Mouse, when he's on the train, he sees this little rodent and he's like, oh, that's how I'm going to get him back. The original thing was Oswald the Rabbit. And Oswald the Rabbit's now starting to make its way back in its way back into Disney popular since 2012 when they bought like Fox or one of the – I forget. They bought one of the networks that has somehow in New York owned – it's like an ESPN thing that owned the, the Oswald the Rabbit. But rabbits will tend to be representative of, you know – wisdom demons. quickness and <laughs> and and but the de- demon such a complicated term also because demon just means um like a, a power a yeah. spirit yeah, yeah it can be diamond yeah a lot of the time demons can be jinns which are kind of like they're trapped by their power and they have to help you other time jinn are um like slavic style as a lot of time, some person who's become the thing they're obsessed over until they die and all that's less of their obsession in Hans Christian Anderson's Little Mermaid, you were saying that she didn't turn into sea foam; she turned into an aerial, aerial spirit or whatever that had to help people for three hundred years. Is that the kind of Sisyphean lamp, in a sense, or whatever? Or it's like you gotta, you gotta help. Uh, I guess because that video was crazy. I, I mean, not crazy in a bad way, but like, I th- all your stuff is really cool, aesthetic, and everything. So, uh, I know I'm kind of being buckshot here, but that, I mean, obviously. I know the Little Mermaid from Disney. Hans Christian Anderson. I don't. It's very different. Project that shit was. Yeah. Yeah. It's so different. You're like, whoa. That's what I always think. Because I'm like, hey. Even like when I go back and look at it again, I'm just like, man, Disney. Just how did they really pull that off? Because for one thing, I mean, this is no one cares about this but me. The Sea Witch isn't that bad. They've made the Sea Witch into this villain, and as you get older, you realize. Is she really that bad? She just wants to take over the world and all this other stuff. And that's just her, her dharma. But at the end of the day, she was never like that. Originally, just she had power. It was exhausting to use it. She made trades, you know, so she's going to help this kid out. The power that she gives her isn't great. It makes her look good. It makes her dance well. It makes her scream. It makes her legs hurt every time she steps on them. Not her fault. That's just how magic works. She's not going to do it except... Oh, you're going to give me your voice? Well, your voice is a commodity. So she's real. It's not the same at all. And then afterwards, you know, it's like in this, this mermaid knows she goes into this 
you know, she's 15 and she's no dumb kid. Like a lot of these 15 year old kids, she knows what she wants. And she goes into she this, be a TikTok star. She could do it. Dude, she's yeah. Envision TikTok star level mentality is this little mermaid. And she go and then the other thing is she's 15, but she could live to be 300. So she's thinking about that. Humans don't live to be 300. They seldom live to be 100. But they're supposed to get this immortal soul. And the fact that she doesn't have an immortal soul, that's pretty interesting. The fact that she's this manifestation of energy that will be, it's like, it's, it'll be destroyed. It'll be turned into sea foam. That's very, you know, that's kind of demonic in its own light. But she learns somehow, again, this is the most interesting part of The Little Mermaid, how to be so good that she be, gets she gets this reincarnation dharma opportunity to someday become a human, right? I mean, or she go to heaven. I guess she's not going to become a human, but her soul will continue to evolve, and it's not just human souls that get to evolve. So that's Hashtag pretty interesting. Dharma initiative. It's her initiative for a new dharma, <laughs> right? Whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, we could all be like like robots. It could be the same story. You're saying a robot could eventually, have, or Pinocchio. It's a it's like Pinocchio. You're real human boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious, um, having watched all that Jordan Peterson, and he's more or less, in his own mind, I guess, an expert on Doviet, like, philosophy or whatever. He's thought about it a lot more than I have. You tend to be very sympathetic, even in that Stalin story. It was like, oh, St. Joseph Stalin coming and washing my boots or whatever. Uh, how do you look at the Russian history? Man, I think that story was supposed to be the clue that stories are told for an effect, you know, and like, so that, style. Yeah. yeah, like if, if Joseph Stalin ever saw you sleep, he'd kill you. you know? doubt, like, yeah. I doubt like, he would polish your shoes. <laughs> he would, yeah. He would, I would put a dollar down. I'd put, and it's, and I just have to reiterate this. Bitcoin, just, yeah. I mean, anyone listening to this would know already, but how incredibly, again, uh, everything is fake through. Uh, sometimes I'm watching this, you know, uh, maybe you have even heard of it. Exodus, uh, French German art channel called Arte or culture channel and they do sometimes quite decent and somewhat investigative journalism documentaries and so on i think they just buy him or something but of course a lot of history stuff too and then i'm always like you know the intro goes and i'm already like oh my god this is pure propaganda timeline it's so incredible and but it's also here very interesting because the main comments will usually be people cheering them on and be like oh you make the best quality most reflected type of documentaries which is true in mainstream that's true but then you go on most recent comments and then oftentimes you will actually find people critical of the official timeline stories and that actually already you know woke up to some of these things but yeah so but please go on russian history because according to david just to bring this up briefly he even mentions that because there is such a strong remembrance of an alternate timeline he says that's even why putin or whoever allowed fomenko to do all this work because otherwise too many muslims or whatever would have said look the quran says what whatever you're doing is not correct and we're gonna basically you know i don't know break apart russia or something if you don't at least allow this to come forward i don't know what's your, your view on all of that or russian history in general i mean russian history you know <laughs> like chinese history chinese right. is an empire that existed for four thousand years are you sure? I'm not so sure and, anymore. And, and, and even the idea that China, yeah, that China is a, a singularity, like the idea that Russia is a singularity right. is, is rough. And, and you can tell with the Uyghurs now, this is even yeah. becoming public, yeah? They're not yeah. feeling that bad. <laughs> right. Well, and that's an irony too, because at one point... And they're Muslim, interestingly. Uyghur, right. And the Uyghurs were, were where, uh, before Manchuria was in charge, Uyghurs were in charge of a larger area that spread across parts of Kachau and Tartary, that they call China today. Mongolian Han 
have also, I mean, look what's going on right now, though, in the Olympics. There are American kids that are becoming Chinese kids. Very quickly, this will all dissipate. Like the idea of what, you know, but it's very interesting because China has worked really hard to become a singular race state. Russia, though, Russia had a royal potatoes. family that's still hiding. No, potatoes. Right. That's from... the other question. What happened? What happened potatoes to Potatoes come the... from Peru again, remember? I know, like, but they got vodka. Know? Yeah, isn't, but, that, but, isn't that from well, potatoes? So first off, what I don't need to be... Is... Yeah, vodka comes from rye and is from Poland and is the 11th century drink that's like a medicinal thing that eventually they in in Russia started making. And when Russia was making trades with Poland with uh, Peru, so figure out how long that goes back because they're supposed to be the 1600s. It could easily be further back than that when you start looking into, you know, South Americans have runestones. It's not just North America that have runestones. So the idea of Scandinavians that are interacting, but the Russian history is changed because you have Freemasons take well, first off, there's a good Russian show, Catherine uh the Great or Catherine the Second, I think it's called. It's all in Russian, but it's subtitled. They show you what happened to the royal family. The the Freemasons came in and would take as soon as the baby was born, the baby from them, and then they would not get to touch the mother. And they were raised by scholars of Freemasonry. So they would completely separate the family and make sure that you know the wet nurse was the wet nurse instead of the mother. And that there was that they could completely make the royal family insane over generations. So you have the husband, I think Piotr was completely crazy. He just spent his time mapping little figurines on the map while they put Catherine in charge, who came from, um, I think she came from Vienna, but then she ended up in St. Petersburg. And so she spoke German and she had to learn how to be Russian. And so they were slowly moving the German powers of culture into the royal house. And within 100 years, she's dead. Her son um, is assassinated, Paul. And after Paul is assassinated, the royal family starts to become a completely different thing. And the Romanov family, they, you know, when, by the time they're assassinated, they're, they're a fascinating group, but they've been culturally isolated. And the reason that they've been allowed to exist is because they did the opposite of what they ended up doing. They started out by just being a royal figurehead, but they were the last... Russia was the last country in Europe to have its central bank. Um, originally, there was their, their banks were not controlled by other countries. They had multiple bank systems. And centralization of the banking system destroyed the rest of Europe. So then Russia was the last country to do that, which is ironic. They pushed them the hardest into communism. But it's the biggest country, so it's the easiest way to take all the wealth. Then, Because it's such a contentious issue and brings it to the present moment, what's your view on Putin and you know whether he's a clone or not, but supposedly one of his variants also being member of the uh, Klaus Schwab's Global Leaders Program, Global Young Leaders Program, where it seems which is like an alumni club almost or the student association for all the prime ministers of Europe right now, or whatever you know. What, what's your view? Because often you know people love to think of it in a way like, oh, you know, who's the bad demons? Who's the white hats? It's probably more complex than that. But if there's anything you have to say about that. Well, I like, I think my favorite Putin joke is like probably pretty notorious at this point, but Putin's speaking in front of a group of students and he says, I'll answer any of the questions you have. And then, so someone asks the question, can a woman be president of Russia? And Putin says, great question. No, because I'm not a woman, you know? So I kind of think 
that you know that but in general that that means more than it sounds like it does because putin's probably a different guy than he was you know 20 years ago one way or just another. just how how different is the question one way one way or another <laughs> but you look at some pictures and you have to say hey that guy doesn't look like that other guy from 1997 he's, he's like right the 19- yeah i mean that's awesome like, like a wimp or whatever could 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 everyone have already seen the movie um or read the book if they might as well because it's in, in Russian, so you have to read the subtitles anyway. Victor Pelevin's Generation Pi, Generation no. P. It's otherwise called Babylon. It's about a guy named Baby Lenin, Babylon, and he mm. lives in Russia. And his Soviet upbringing to become an agricultural uh, almanac expert of the of the centralization of farming completely go waste of time because the soviet union collapses so he has to figure out what he's supposed to do with his life and he's walking down the streets with his mullet and seeing all these people doing cocaine off carpets and you know gangsters rising this is like a really bad medium to do coke on just for the record it's like Dude, hard surface right does doesn't matter if you're only going to live for a few months i mean they get uh, the, the, the thing is it's russia there's only a few people again, in charge peru and, cocaine yeah, just it's just straight. Was everything. The trading, the trading that was happening in Russia, like between the oligarchs, became completely insane. I mean, the place you want to be in history is Moscow, 1991. You want body armor, but if you're there after the fall of the Soviet Union, it is laissez-faire. It is everything is freedom. There, you can do whatever you want, but you could also get killed. So you have to be very yeah. careful in Moscow, Wild in Wild East. But then they're they're trying to figure out what to do for you know what his job will be, and he says, "Well, these commercials aren't working because they don't understand. They're thinking, wow, this will be like the Coca Cola. No, you don't understand what Coca Cola means in America is different than what Coca Cola means in the Soviet Union. In America, Coca Cola is like taste the freedom. In the Soviet Union, Coca Cola means American imperialism. And so, mm-hmm. if you want, you need Pepsi. Pepsi is this first product that was sold. is is a gradual thing as the Soviet Union collapsed." Pepsi became available. So you get, you, they were trading, and this is why today this, the PepsiCo owns nuclear tankers that they use to traverse pirate waters that were built by the Soviet Union. They have Kalashnikovs, they have machine guns, they have jets, they have helicopters, all in exchange for barrels of PepsiCo. Pepsi, Are you sure they only transport that? No. I mean, of course, they have all kinds of other guns, and they have all kinds of other people going on. I'm like, you're gonna ha- you're probably gonna have some, some, some people, you know, some passengers and some weapons too. I mean, I could hardly. I mean, otherwise, it would be a nice cover story. We're only, it's only Pepsi. Don't worry. Don't look. It's only no, Pepsi. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that they traded Pepsi for these barrel, mm. for these machine guns. See, the thing is, oh, to okay, bring, all right, to bring, all right. to bring things across the water, and PepsiCo does own oatmeal. You know, they own Quaker Oats. They own like pizza hut taco bell kfc there's a lot of other things that go on with that including paramilitary organizations of course and this is one of them to bring this stuff across pirate waters they need to be able to have guns and they need to have big ones and so this is how they were able to cut millions of dollars out of their budget by going directly through pirate waters because all of a sudden they had soviet tankers and in exchange they sold vodka but they also gave them you know Whatever this is what led to the Russians thinking, hey, American everything isn't terrible. Pepsi's okay. Because the propaganda, it was the first time the propaganda said, you know what? We hate America, but Pepsi. Pepsi. So Pepsi became the symbol. 
Anyway, this movie, Babylon, he starts making all these propaganda ads for every Russian thing until eventually they all get killed and he rises to the top and he gets in this eyed wide shut kind of Russian scenario where he sees what the world's really, who's, who's running the world and what it's all about. Fabergé um, X all the way down, baby. Yeah. I forget why we brought up Generation Pi. What was the thing before we're, that? We're talking about what is Putin... And oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So at the end, he's got he's brought into a room. Like you're the greatest advertiser in Russia, which is a big deal because it's really hard to sell stuff to us. What we think is we're going to build a candidate. He's going to be a CGI candidate, and we're going to just project him. We'll do fake news, and this is again like it's a little like that Black Mirror episode with the. Uh, uh, there's one about um, I don't know if it's a cartoon head or a dog or something, but it's like a political. Anyway, go ahead. I was just like, okay, this is. I thought. That's, I mean, I think that's, that's also. It's, it's also like twenty years earlier, and it's literally what is happening. They created a CGI president, and he will never die. And I gotta say, you look like a CGI president right now with the uh, the glittery on that. It's like he's not really here, folks. He's actually on a Pepsi beach in the Baltic or whatever. <laughs> Pepsi um, Beach. I gotta yeah. visit Pepsi Beach. That sounds like a spy location. I like it. But but so yeah, so basically yeah. they created they created Putin as a CGI character, and his job is to create the animatic speeches. And this is again a book written in like 1990, whatever. But it's very clearly about Putin, and it's interesting because so far Putin has been the perfect leader, right? He says all the right things. He can speak English, but he pretends not to. He you know he's got everything all the time. He's healthy, and he's not getting older. He's getting more perfect. So it could be just a creation. Hmm. Hate, hate to say it I've that definitely way. seen, um, I saw a glitch once of a video. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but there was this video of a Pope or something and he's walking off stage and it like just blacks, like it's like just disappears. Like, a, like you turn off a fucking projector. If you like, were oh. Catholic, if you were Catholic, you'd be saying it was magic. It was a miracle. You know, you just <laughs> sleep through it. The most recent Pope or older? Recording? Uh, probably either this one or the last one. I mean, it was within the past 10, like five years kind of thing. But I was there like, was that a, was, he did not walk through a, you know, it's like there was a substantially quick effect, not like a uh, gradation of light on clothing going that way or whatever. I remember there was an earthquake in Seattle in, in, in like 2001 and Bill Gates just disappeared and it was terrifying. It was just standing there talking and all of a sudden there was an earthquake and he just, it was gone. I want to find <laughs> that. Is that on YouTube? Shit. Yeah, I'll look for it. Uh, <laughs> that's like, something you should do a video on. Jesus Christ. Um, we can keep talking about Russia because I mean, I have always joked that you're like a psyop of Russia or whatever. But um, how? I mean, of it's Russia. weird because we, well, just like Soviet whatever it is, even whatever. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'm I'm kind of at a point personally where it's like, you know, no emperor has any clothes really. I guess ultimately in some weird way, and it's just a bunch of psyops all the way down. But uh, yeah, what what do you think about political landscapes and? Why, why do you th feel that way now? Because you're in D.C., which is like a major, uh, right? You're near there, I think. Yeah, actually, I'm in Minneapolis right now, but I go back and forth. Never mind. Like, depends. Okay. Actually, it's <laughs> well, like negative 20 degrees right now, and it's cozy. It's, it's amazing. But you get used I'm to Russia. A long time. Yeah, yeah. Russia, <laughs> Russia has the cold. I mean, I think Russians would think that it was indicative of how awesome they are, that we're questioning whether or not their president is a hologram or a real person. So – that's that's the other thing to consider. But Russians themselves probably don't need a president, right? They need an ideology. They know that. But they themselves are going to do the work and build the thing. So it actually makes sense to move us away from believing in, and this is so postmodern, 
in the person itself that is represented. I mean, like Joe, Joe Biden has at best, you know, 10% of his own coherency involved with being president. The rest of it is other people. I haven't paid attention to his entire presidency. And that's on purpose. Yeah, Yeah, but they they even, you know, whenever the last president spoke, they had every little thing he did. Now they're like, don't even worry about it. Don't even listen to it. Oh, yeah, you know what he really meant was good. He just, he said, I know he said the N-word when the mic was, like, it was an accident. He he was saying you said it. You know, like, I don't know. It's crazy what's going on in America right now. (laughs) It's a Pluto return, actually. Pluto just entered 27 degrees, and that's where America's Pluto is. So it's like, this is the first time America has had Pluto here since... Its inception. Oh, so really? we're going through a lot okay. of revolutionary war energy. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of other little cycles. You could say even civil war with some Neptune cycle that was happening. But um, interesting Disney times. Did, uh, Disney replaced uh, a Capricorn character with Pluto originally, and the way it happens is there's a goat on the military ranch, and he eats a bar of tobacco and dies. I'm pretty sure. But then Pluto, Don't the do dog. Drugs, kids. Pluto the dog eats a, t- a brick of chewing tobacco and he turns tartar plaid, like green plaid, and he has Pepe eyes. And then from there, he becomes Pluto replaces Capricorn, and that's the beginning of the Pluto character. I did not know that. I'm I consider myself a Disney kid, and you are like the upside down backwards tour of Epcot. It's like the <laughs> muddiest shit ever. I love it though. Um, but I'm like, you see, this is where I'm always like, is this like I don't think you're disinformation or fake news, but I'm like, how much drugs have you done? And what books are you reading? Because no, the thing is, and that's the real thing because it is a Truman show, you know, the muggles. And if you're not really into it, you just get a generic story because it's kind of clear. Like if you have so much budget and so on, I mean, what would you do even just now starting your law about astrology? If you had millions and millions to make a comic movie or whatever, you'd put all of that in it. And if they're Freemasons for a hundred years or whatever, what are they going to do? You know, of course, of course, you know, yeah. Epcot it's really too much. To... It's much too much power also because, you know, everyone's going to be watching it and you want to condition a population if you want to, you know, sway, control them, whatever. So just Epcot needs crucial. a back alley. I wish there was a back alley at Disneyland. Uh, Disney there World is. There's the British. There's the British world. It's like an British alley. World is, it's, it's got like I just want I want like the scene from Back to the Future with the laser disc strewn everywhere when they throw the girl in the corner. That's what Disney World needs. You need to have like that cyberpunk back alley. That's, you know, Disney, if you're listening. They're always done. listening. Probably. <laughs> um, I miss, I mean, it's sad to say that I miss Michael Eisner days, I guess. Uh, Rude, so brutal high. He's so cutthroat, but he did what he, you know, he was like Chairman Mao. But like, look at, look at Iger and everything that Iger's doing. And you have to wonder, scary. Disney doesn't turn out anything good in a while. I can't, I think it's, I mean, is Pixar part of Disney? Yeah, they so are there. Okay, well, yeah. see, I'll but really, but really, doesn't Pixar kind of own Disney? Like the way that they've put their staff into everything. Disney's doing a lot of cool stuff. I did like Book of Boba. Did you see Book of Boba Fett? Mm-mm. All their no. Star Wars stuff is so Mandalorians. Yeah. All right, I it's say decent I actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it could I, I be like, a lot worse. Like, but let's put it like this: it's much better than the action, be than the action the movie BS of the last two or three main Star Wars movies, which were more like right. Marvel movies. So from that point of view, it gives a good Cowboy Bebop vibe, let's say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. I tried bad. to do that on Netflix, Cowboy Bebop. I didn't watch it. As soon as I saw that um, uh, Ed, uh, Edward wasn't on there, I was like, this is not going to work. 
I heard good uh, things. I tried. I, I, I heard ter- I heard terrible things, which meant to me good things. So I tried watching it, and it was a, it was a aesthetically pleasing. But I'm more of a. I'm just gonna watch the original, you know. But like you could. What are we talking yeah. about? Cowboy. Cowboy yeah. Net, oh, Netflix a had a, okay. Okay. And it, it it was hated and completely canceled and all this other stuff. Except I think people liked it, and I think that's it's kind of like when they cancel a good thing. So you know. That's my like I just watched. I just watched all of, about that. I'm sure. I just watched all of Frasier, so go ahead and judge me for uh, that. No, yeah. that's one of the most. I didn't never really get down with it, but if, anytime I was on, I was always pleasantly surprised with the writing, and it's like <laughs> it's good compared to Friends and stupid shit like that. Like right, same, yeah. Uh, Epoch. Uh, I think I was just. Yeah. I think I was just masking the pain of working in radio. I was like, "Wow, this is so relatable. I this is it. what life is like." <laughs> is, he, is he a psychologist? Yeah, totally. And he yeah. gets like calling. I'm going to try to do some. I want to do like Lifeline, you know, like Loveline, but I don't know. We'll have to come up with something. But just get, we should do call ins, you know, and get people to. I'm going to do some call ins. That's my next feature. Okay. That Imagine me how of, many uh, crazy people could call you in. You'd love it. I, I, it might be amazing. It might be one of the worst breaches in my energetic boundaries possible. But um, <laughs> yeah. well, for some reason, you reminded me when I lived in Honolulu, um, I was starting to smoke a lot of weed again in my. Uh, it was a hotel on. Uh, basically at Waikiki, like right away next to the beach that was turned into student housing. And the guy next door to me was this like, uh, I don't think he was Middle Eastern, but he was like Lebanese or whatever, American. And um, he was doing meth with oh, homeless yeah. people in the room next to me. Uh, and I went over to smoke weed with him. And I was like, no, I'm good on that. Like, I was just like, what? I just want to smoke grass, bro. And he was on the computer doing psychic like hotlines. So they would wow. be like, yo, like, hey, we need something. He's like, I'll be back in five. You know, let me check click he's like i'm getting a, like ten dollars a minute this, this is how i make my money smokes math i'm like oh god i like i've made a terrible mistake kind of a huge mistake um i don't know why i'm even telling that story because you were talking interesting about, like, though no it's interesting in. there you know what again though with like i want to take it to as far as you can so crystals mm-hmm. resonance structures radio demons specific demons specific people specific blood specific radio connections Sometimes you can train a drug to be the drug that you use to get possessed by certain demons. Maybe he's manifesting bile or something so he can do uh, these, um, you know, make money off of this stuff. There's there's Raphael's meth. I guess it's obsidian. Is that obsidian? No, no. no, He'll tell us. Tourmaline. Black tourmaline? This is uh, elite shungite. Supposedly has EMF uh, radiation harmonization effects, but just because you're talking about bad demons and so on, I'm like, this is my wardstone. So nice, yeah. But are you familiar with um, uh, with Noble Shungite and C60 connection and so on? No, no. Well, C60, but Noble Shungite. So, so briefly put, uh, Noble Shungite also has all kinds of carbon. molecules also apparently c60 and c70 which is one of the chemical reasons why adding it to water can you know structure the water aside from harmonization and frequency effects and also supposedly but there's also some papers i'll have to look them up properly it harmonizes Mm -hmm. emf fields and at least one friend brian who also made the deck i showed at the beginning he was testing it around 5g towers in florida and had like one of these emf meters in one hand and the other hand empty, and then his friend put one of those stones, but a much smaller one, into his hand, and apparently the measurement went down by ninety-eight percent. 
so pretty what? pretty pretty stark yeah and if he tells me that he's not making this up and he just was experimenting with it so apparently this this stuff works and right, also also apparently it's a quite you know rare there's also of course as always with mineral stories about how it originated and why it's happening in certain regions the one other thing i can tell you is that there's elite shungite which is this and then there is normal shungite which is this and supposedly they say over thousands or millions of years who knows what if that time frame is correct or not this elite shungite turns into normal shungite because it loses some of the carbon uh, molecules or something and it's re restructuring itself wow. so yeah but certainly an in interesting mineral as we're talking about you those. Iron Man through that shit, you'll be fine oh yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, who knows maybe this was part of the you know tartarian uh, uh plasma armor or something <laughs> it does seem like a lot of minerals net like intuitively people figure out what they're useful for you go into a, a cave and and star wars has kind of got that vibe one of the reasons i like it so much is saying hey a long time ago in a galaxy far far away people really already understood this stuff and crystal they had an advanced understanding a, a long time ago so you go into that crystal cave and all of a sudden you get these resonance quartz crystals we're thinking also this idea of distance too because radio takes a long time to get to someplace if you just imagine Right now, some radio signal from a baseball game in 1951 is being heard for the first time in, in yeah. some in some crystal. I love that story. I mean, I love I love mythology. That's why we told that story. Look at that poor little boy. Raffi's like, oh come on, flattered. No, no. What I what I wanted to think is that's a very linear way of perceiving the propagation of communication or information. I was more thinking about you know quantum resonance and maybe you had heard about maybe I wrote this up before gravitational telephone mm -hmm. by, of course I forgot his name now. Some uh, professor at a German university presenting this in 2012. And basically calling his friend in St. Petersburg without a cell line or something. It was a bit garbled, but it worked. Um, but of course, this would be a, a gravitational telephone would be a network without the need for centralized nodes. So he then somehow fled to Brazil and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. but these are things that, you know, exist and, you know, are not yet uh, public. So. There's also simultaneous orbitals, right? So there's moments that synchronize with other moments that aren't linear. And I think that's more like to the point that you can find that this we're coming back up on a, a, a cycle and a certain energies cycle and that things are like it's a, it's different streams and fluids that are happening. But also linear exists like your lifetime. You can't see it sure. unless you we can now because we have cameras that will record your face every single day until you have this weird undulating snake serpent in 3D model, 5D model that you create. Because you could also have Facebook saying, oh, this guy made this choice. But if he had made that choice, these would be the other potential algorithmic versions of that person. I mean, we can really do that. But at some point you have to say, hey, there are things that are happening that someone a thousand years from now will time capsule, right? You can... And that's what I like to do. I like to find a book that's a thousand years old that someone's forgotten about. So it's at the same time, that's what's going to be. But, did you find any thousand year old books? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, like, do you have any idea how, like, so we have like 10,000 different books at this point. It's crazy. All the books that are for, like Bellum Tarkaricum and things that, but the thing is most books are from like the 1300s. I think we so have like three, like, three, how, six how many books from, those are really pre-reset you know or pre-redacted by the jesuit style you know that's what i'm wondering about man so let me try to remember the one that i was just looking at so what, I said, what would happen I if said, you put all those books to a fucking ai could it construe what the fuck is actually going on 
That's what Google does. So Isidore's etymology. What is the thing I had? Isidore's Bane. Isidore etymology. Etymology of Isidore of Seville. So the etymologies of Isidore of Seville is like from Google Life Research History. Like, who yeah. the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But no, this is a good book. You know, I recommend people looking for this, try to find this book in whatever form they can. I see ebooks for like 30 bucks. So the actual physicals are like hundreds of bucks. And if you get one that's like a hundred years old or a thousand years old, it's anywhere from like a few thousand bucks to uh, half a million. I think I saw it at an auction recently. So Isidore, Etymologies of Seville, Etymologies of Seville is interesting because you're looking at etymologies or root words in a place where they're using Greek and Arabic and Catalan and Castellano, which is Spanish and Galatian. And these are, they're all trying to figure out where do the meanings of these things come from? And this is guy from 560 AD. So decent book made its way into Cordoba. You can find basically any of the books you're looking for that are a thousand years old or something. You're going to find them in Spain or in, you know, basically because Holland Kind of, but Holland has also had an iconoclastic period that lasted 70 years. So they destroyed most of their old stuff. But you can find it in Spain. And, you know, that's, they exist. They're just, they try to keep the old books from your hands. You know, so there's like six of them. <laughs> it's nuts. Gatekeeping like that. One would think we could get beyond that, but I guess not. Not yet. Well, I mean, I think that it, it helps people feel comfortable knowing that they're the greatest thing that ever happened and anything that happened before them they you know they really tried and they set a good example but they but they made mistakes and you're not gonna stupid savages yeah sure and this is the best civilization ever yeah dude okay well i know we always harp on horizon zero dawn but you saw that horizon forbidden west is coming out there's a sequel now oh no word yeah it's gonna be huge and i mean i recommend people check out the some people have put out some videos on the timeline leading up to Horizon Zero Dawn from 2030s on where they have a plague. I think it's called the Doomsday Plague or something like that. And then they kind of fix it and environmental terrorists, religious zealots take over. And then by 2070, cyberpunk happens. And then eventually you're stuck with this Horizon Zero Dawn world where they think that they are the greatest thing that's ever happened. And they're hunter-gatherers living at Disneyland. And all of these robots are hunting them and they're hunting robots it's the best very representation of colorado i've ever seen i mean if you've been out here it's like <laughs> it, is, it felt like i was like in my i mean i'm in colorado i was like this is fucked up like that's definitely the utah area and this is more of that area what is it's it with wild. colorado because even in this game wasteland 3 at least they also are like post-apocalyptic in colorado what what's There's what's up with colorado what do you mean this is Denver International Airport, Denver International yeah. Airport, oh, Freemason okay. Freemason Lodges. All right, yeah, the, it's a Freemason escape Nor, state. I understand. Nor, NORAD NORAD has a uh, underground base that's public, and they're it. not even talking about. They're not even talking about all the under the secret dumbs, the underground military cities that have populations of fifty thousand people, thirty to fifty thousand people living in underground cities that's in Colorado. Real? Oh yeah. Look up the military. Military has to keep functioning. Okay, okay, I'm sorry because I should know. Uh, you know how many times have I seen the intro of um, Stargate? Cheyenne Mountain Complex apparently also is in Colorado. So okay. I think that's what I was right. talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, be careful. Terminator. They run off there. Terminator Three. They end up in the mountain Cheyenne, and they have a. They have um, all the, they have like old Apache helicopters, old Jeeps, and they have old 
radio equipment that's not run by AI and that they're ready for a reset. That's that how you do it. T3. So, I mean, you shall inherit the earth 101 or Dude. something. I mean, what I'm thinking now is even anyone having played uh, Command and Conquer, which I didn't a lot, but even here they have all these timelines, which always makes me wonder, you know, how much, I think at least with Doom, it's verified, you know, how much of even early games were already infiltrated by the military in terms oh, of yeah. funding or timelines and so on. I'm just always like, you know, it's nice to play it as a game. But I definitely know I'm not looking for any bioterrorist, you know, I don't know, climate change attack whatever like <laughs> Dude, I, think, I think we can be over it by having you know having it all in these fiction stories but it's how surreptitious is goldeneye she, i remember i had like a, a russian friend and i was like don't you feel bad playing goldeneye like you're killing all these russians like yeah it's just a game like i don't know man it's like destroying your whole I don't, maybe i was too maybe i was too I was, okay too I was too worried about that frankly suspiciously worried about because you're a, you're because you're a, um <laughs> like i don't Remember, no, I'm kidding. Um, you know so the story of Putin and how Putin became president, right? So Putin started yeah. out how he, he, when he was a KGB. kid, he wanted he wanted to be in the KGB. So he wrote a letter to the KGB and he said, I really, I, I really like you guys. I want to know how do I become one of you? And then they sent him a letter back. This is the official story. This is the myth. And then they say, well, we really don't accept applications, but we will be watching you. And if you're a good boy, Putin, someday... Vlad, you will become a member of the KGB or whatever. I think that's how. And then they, he did. He, he was. He stayed good. He stayed hard. Worked hard in school. And just knew that somewhere out there they were watching him. And he became the greatest president. <laughs> who, who was who was watching him? Him, uh, Kim, Kim Il Sung or something like that. That's kind of the way it sounds. <laughs> See, it's beautiful because I think that's another story I should do. Is like that Jesus is watching you. Santa is watching you. The state is watching you. Who cares? As long as you feel it's the attention, you know, like. It's a panopticon. I mean, I certainly yeah. feel it's a panopticon, but I'm just always like, it's the, I don't know, it's the Akashic records or whatever. It's consciousness experiencing itself. That's that's what it comes down to me, which is why all these attempts at reconstructing it seem so trife to me, or however you call it, futile and strange. But I can understand, you know? If you well, I hope them... that the Akashic record is recording this, because otherwise, <laughs> geez, what a waste. But, you know, hopefully somebody will make a machine that does that, because I think... If we're trying to emulate something that exists in nature, emulating the Akashic Records is the thing to emulate. That brings me back to Sir Francis Bacon, because one of the things he says is that the self is the only way to study nature. Nature can only be uh, – the most we can understand is what nature understands about itself. So if we can understand how it works, then we can utilize it and use it. Clearly, we used to use it all the time. A lot of people have lost control over their – I don't want to call it um, telepathy. Yeah, I don't want to call it psychic telepathy. I want to call it empathy. I think we, we've lost control over our empathy and our, and our ability to be aware of what others are feeling. And that's really where everything else stems from, the psychic. and Yeah. And I think it explains it so well, even, you know, in recent with the whole mass formation meme going around now, which I think is great because finally, you know, some basic psychological education is being given to the masses. Um no, of course, I lost the point I wanted to make. Go on. <laughs> Akash records, stuff like that. That's like what Andreas just said. No. See, mass mass formation hypnosis can be a good thing. That's the thing that we need to teach the people is that, you know, in Spain, you find propaganda written on the mailboxes. It just means information. It's like fake news got really upset when people were like, they were listening to two different fake newses at the same time. They said, this one says one thing. 
And they said, that says the other. Well, that one's from another country. That's not ours. That's, well, that, it says it's propaganda. That's what it is. It's propaganda. It's different fake news than ours, right? Well, there can be benefit to, again, like we're talking about placebo effects from the kinds of ideologies and the kinds of beliefs that we formulate as children. I think you, I think, uh, was it Robert E. Lee? One of the generals said that he had been told as a child that his family had done all these amazing things for thousands of years by his uh, babysitter. And that that's what he role modeled himself on. That's why he became a great general, but none of those stories were true. They were just made up to him as uh, lullabies as a kid. And he found that out later. And he's like, Oh wow. So, you know, well, that's the whole point of the Jordan Peterson, um, whatever maps of meeting course I listened to. I highly suggest it is 12. I mean, it's a 12 week course, two and a half hour lectures. It's like you're watching the course or whatever that he did in 2017. Um, I, especially coming from a more young in like Christian perspective, I appreciate what he's talking about. But at the end of the day, it's like, we're all just, these are infinite, these are finite and infinite games we're playing. And it's like, we have to really express the rules and then some rules are applicable and sometimes not others. And then it's just, I mean, I don't want to be like Nietzsche and it's like, everything's a will to power, but it's like, cause I would like to think that there's like yugas or something beyond human will that's guiding it. Like if Atlantis did fall, let's just say uh, maybe, maybe that's part of a yuga as opposed to just carelessness, carelessness made manifest through the zeitgeist, if that makes sense, as opposed to like, Oh, we really are in an abyss of meaning and we create it by telling ourselves etymologies of stories to ourselves so we can become generals or whatever. I mean, if it seems like that's minimally the case and that's why we pledge allegiance to the flag and brainwash ourselves and stuff. When I just visited my Nana, I mean, I'm a Christian because this is where it gets tricky on DMT. Okay. So these psychics I went to, um, that my fiance said, let's talk to them at some point. And they were like, Oh, you were in a scene in a past life and you're way up on Jesus. Now I'm like, are they getting that info? Because I have a type, like I've had psychedelic weird high, high, high uh, religious experience with Christ and they sense that energy or is this explaining the why I'm still looping on this? Um, but in any event, I went back to visit my Nana in Alabama, Fairhope, Alabama. And um, for two weeks, I actually got food poisoning. It was the worst. I, I don't ever get that. And I was like, oh, my God, when you're sick, you really appreciate being well. And that's kind of how I feel like with information. I was like, man, we're sick. What is well? How do, how do we get this straight? But anyway, um, going there and I love her to death. But I was like, and I, I'm a product of the thinking. So I'm like, damn, you've taken this Christian kool-aid as far as one can pretty much rationally take it i mean it, it, to the point where she's self-referencing the bible so much that it's like all right like you have to think outside of the text um to to function but it seems like a lot of people are addicted to culture to find the meaning and they bootstrap themselves it's like a consciousness bootstrapping device but because we're like you know um i guess post printing press kind of rationally reading the landscape it's making us go a certain way i'm rambling but i guess I don't even know what the original point is. Let's was. bring something else up. And I remember my yeah, point from yeah, earlier. Yeah, so Exodus is spoke about empathy. I completely agree. And also, if we think about it in terms of, even though we're more than that, but just data processing, and just imagine you would technically have the ability to, to feel and sense the feelings, emotions, maybe even thoughts of other individuals, but because of your life choices and so on, you shut all of that off. How little information are you actually running off? You know, it's an incredibly limited space. And as we talked about yesterday with Dylan, it's just a model, but I'd be curious as to what you think about it. The main theme, so we spoke about human design, which you may be familiar with or not. Human design is like an astrology derived system. Yeah, the, astrology but the, the main discussion was about the idea that within that lore, and again, it's just yet another, you know, prophecy or storyline. 
but that as beings we would change from being mainly strategizing which i would say as kind of being like ego and mind driven in a sense of me as a individual wanting to control things within the apparent outside world which in my view is not outside like yeah like trying to do stuff in the world strategizing this is called to change to beings which are receptive where it's more like that i don't know life flows flows through you and you are just being guided and i would say you actually recognize that what is outside of you is also you as ellen watts says so there's nothing to worry about and you can just be receptive and don't need these strong boundaries and he also mentioned that the past mode of operation was very much based i think he called it on tribe and compact like making compact with each other and it also but this goes into almost like hybridization alien themes he mentioned that the new type of species that is going to be seeded on the planet through incarnation or whatever would almost more be like he almost said em did he say empty husks i'm not sure i don't think he said that but more like amorphic beings that only really create a proper field of consciousness if it's three or more of them together so like a very different way of uh then we would imagine ourselves to be very individualized. But this, for me, just would also point towards this idea of going more towards the hive mind in a receptive state. But again, of course, here we have very different variants of a hive mind. This can be paradise on Earth or it can be hell on Earth, you know? The Kabbalah, so. though, would say that the male and the female requires the child, you know, to create, like, you know, chemical families. So the three parts are also an essential trinity of the human condition because you can't have a continuation of the human right. experience without right. it's, a, it's the, the chicken and the egg. You have to yeah. have what comes before and what's going after and be part of them. You have to be the bridge, right? So I, I feel like humans miss that when we think that we're we're so singular because they're setting us up for the reaction period where we become hive mind. It's kind of like when they had all these kids in the 50s and they said, go to your room, because then that was where they calmed down. And then they have an individual place and that becomes a conditioning system. Whereas the next few generations, you have kids who run off to the 60s to become, you know, they go live in a pile of people because they, they haven't seen a place where they can all have a shared collectivity of experience, except there always has been, there's a place that exists where you can get in a bunch of bunk beds in a room and you can live and work and dream and die together, right? It's the military. So they've conditioned people to become Oh my of, God. Think about it. It's a singularity, right? It's not an old or new, it's an always has been. What a trap <laughs> system, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no brotherhood among, among men except in the military when you can, you know, uh, take bullets for each other. For, for causes you know nothing about. Furthering so. the controller's agenda. Great. And pay taxes for it. Oh, my God. That <laughs> <laughs> could be a stipend for education. I, I shouldn't guess. laugh. I feel bad laughing. That's so bad. Oh, I almost, I tried to throw the Marine. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so bad, but wouldn't this, and just uh, I bring it up once again very briefly, wouldn't this be the whole, the whole Keck Pepe? and also DMT frog venom idea that we may be at the darkest hour and we may be just before the dawn when we can at least laugh about these things. I'm not sure if that was so easy 50 years ago or 70 years ago when you just got often trained into New York or Vienna or whatever, you know, and had to slave away for 16 hours a day. So it yeah, may actually a be a good thing, you know. They had pretty good comedian 70 years ago, actually, in New York, apparently. So it's good to be. I mean, I think maybe out of tragedy comes like some of the funniest people. But wait, Jim wanted to be MK Ultra. You were just saying you were going to join the Marines. No, I was going to join oh, the Marines. And my uncle took me to Fahrenheit 9/11, and I was like, "Card pass. I don't. I don't need." Oh, there you go. Cool. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Because I was I mean, like, the Marines, oh, I don't know what 
give me some money <laughs> or whatever. The, the Marines are interesting. I think the, I know a lot of people that have become different people because of the Marines or even just being part of like GIs. Like, but there's a lot to be said about what the military uh, takes from you in order to make you into a soldier as part of a group. And that's what scares me about the singularity. There's, it's only going to be bigger. That's why the military is so quick to say, hey, we want hive mind soldiers. The United States had an expression that they don't use as much anymore, but it was an army of one, right? Yeah. That was the, that was, not everyone understood it, but it was when the internet first happened. It was pretty clear what it was about, right? They were saying that we're becoming a hive mind. So I think there's 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 more of that on its, its way. And you're going to not see everyone join at first, but probably it will be hipsters. It'll be the military and it'll be then... Out of, out of that, there will be some disabled people that are going to have neural links. But hipsters in New Zealand or something are going to be the first to say, hey, we want to be, you know, vocationally, recreationally linked up. And then you'll start to see it and people will say, hey, look at those guys. They have it and it's okay. And slowly people will, you know, within a generation, I 90% still contend that just being a distraction to actual psychic abilities coming more and more online within the general population where you don't need any BS Neuralink. Because I don't know about you, Andreas, but wouldn't you also say even with the crisis that in the last two years, also your individual reality has accelerated positively, psychically, without having a chip installed? That's what I experienced. I don't know. Yeah, but it's really frustrating when you're thinking about someone and then they call you or like, I don't know, like you really got to turn it down. Yeah, right? the difference really? would only be with the chip. You could auto block them with the firewall. You know, that's maybe yeah. the difference. Yeah, Or you need the proper, the proper gemstones for that. I don't know. I, yeah, so I feel like you get it. <laughs> that so plus you could have a... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to go. I was going to say no. that, that, that plus while you're having a breakthrough, like some manifestation or singular experience all of a sudden the paywall would come up and say like, you have 30 seconds <laughs> to pay for the next month of bliss. <laughs> it's like, that would suck. <laughs> um, I just finished the fourth season of sword art online. I don't know if you've ever seen this anime. It's oh, pretty much art, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you like it, it's not the best thing I've ever seen, but it's, it's all right. Um, but the whole point is like, you know, VR, you go in this place, AI and VR reality is what's real. It seems like they're peddling it to be cool. I mean, the whole point of this fourth one was like, you know what? Everyone thinks things were, you know, indigent and like, you know, not paying our taxes. They specifically said this, like not paying our taxes and, you know, drop out of society. But like, we matter here, damn it. And it's kind of like, uh, I guess it's setting. I mean, in a weird way, it seems I, this is it was really tricky because in some way I and definitely you obviously get it having played Sega and, you know, video games and stuff. It's like, uh, I love the fact that I could play. Um, zero horizon dawn or whatever and stuff but then there's like this this liminal line where i'm like i don't want to cross body transplanting but you know there's i mean obviously right now with the metaverse and facebook and any other kind of company doing these things that's where they're trying to push the energy where it's like look like i mean you know glasses are an immersive technology why why don't you just play your video game full on um i don't there's not really a point to what i'm saying with i I thought you might well i I saw i saw I saw the, um, there's like a game I like now. Well, it's not really a game, but someone's making like a video game engine that uses non-Euclidean geometry. So when you walk through something, it's longer. Or you come out one side, it comes out another side. Or like you go up and it comes down. So just all the rules are broken in physics. And it's really interesting when you do, where's my, it's over there. My VR helmet's over there. 
But like when you put on the VR helmet, like which I have, you can then feel like you're in some crazy space that doesn't make sense. And that's very strange because it can make you very disoriented when you come out of that and you go back to a world where there are, if you start to become used to non-Euclidean reality, it, be, it makes reality, reality kind of a bummer. Well, no, it's just confusing. It's like a cat. They take a cat and they put the glasses on the cat where it sees upside down. And then it was like, ah, this is terrible. But eventually the cat learned how to walk up and see sure. upside down and it flips in the brain. So then they take the glasses off and then the cat's freaked out for a while until the cat's brain flips back again and it can see. So, you know, you learn how to orient yourself in whatever reality. And it's not just mirrored backwards. It's literally like distance is oppositional or diametrically um like it's it's parallel or perpendicular anything can be flipped in any respect you go up you come out down any of that stuff so that can be i think a really interesting thing because it'll change human conditioning it doesn't have to be evil you could use that to say hey let's look at all of the earth in one giant plane and then move around and like that's what google maps really right it's this giant flat dr- driving flat so it's created this flat like reality so, like, look and see in every direction and try to understand from that new perspective. Is that real? Well, it's what we've experienced. It's the more real experience than a satellite concoction that we've created. So, what's that doing to, you know, consciousness? Perception. If conscious, if perception itself and empiricism are not always, you know, this if taking psychedelics or something, Big not always. Even. You can't base you can't base your reality on empiricism. You have to do it on a on a shared empirical search. You've, like you've many models people, need to inform you. Yeah, you have to have a, a, a you have to have a theosophy. I guess you have to have a theosophy. But it's still just, just briefly because this is a relevant, very fundamental point. It's still based on empiricism. Even whatever well, model and whatever you know Google Map I draw out of it, it's still fundamentally based on empiricism and just a projection. As soon as- as soon as I believe in your model, it's not no like in a Descartes sense, it's no longer my experience. And so exactly. no that's long- why it's relevant that at least and I mean I would I think it's it's suitable that at least there are some uh, fragments of information, whereas my own empiric experience and evidence confirms the models, and I'm not just running after models. That's the problem we have right now. People believing models without any proper correlation in their own uh, experience, experience. <laughs> and that's when you get completely lost so i think it's important to consider whether we start or not with empiricism or anecdotal evidence because even you know any data sets ultimately they are based first-hand experience you know there is no true objectivity i think like, knowing uh, the self yeah. it comes back to again really quickly just knowing the self yeah. so you know what how far you can trust your empiricism because you can sure. easily be per- on drugs and or have a you don't have to be on drugs. The, or the real issue is just holding on to potentially wrong belief systems. Yeah, being propagandized, being under some kinds of spells. Certainly need no drugs for that. I guess that's yeah. why they often break people out of precisely that. Um, or they so, just put it in the yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Terrence McKenna was always like, you know, experience should be your primary like dictator of your kind of worldview more than hearsay and Chinese whispers or whatever. Um, but at the same time, and, and I think it's a good baseline in a sense, but your senses can deceive you. Uh, like, like I was just saying, I got food poisoning. I didn't have a fever or anything. It was like disorientation could happen at a very baseline level where you're like, I mean, it's almost like we function in very Goldilocks 
parameters. You know, if, if you lose your inner ear, you know, well, there goes your functioning reality in a very real way, or if you have a fever or anything like this. Um, so it, it's going to be funny, I think, one day. I mean, hopefully we laugh about it, but it's like, it's kind of a uh, nightmare maze or like the labyrinth or whatever to be in. But it's like, hopefully one day we realize just, I guess, that we asked me, you know, the macro in the micro, and then it's like we start freaking out about it. But to be in the micro and have forgotten so much macro, because we're talking about a cost earlier or stuff like that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've done DM. I imagine you've done DMT, and that feels more real. That felt more real than reality, and that's hard to even qualify. It's like, why would I think that? Why would I think that space is real? And like it was, you know, like a, I'm in the pensive now and not the, then. Like, why would I think that? But um, well, it's interesting that they kind of compare yugas like to well, if you have a, a, the same number of yugas as you have mass extinctions, and so <laughs> when we start talking about this idea of there being metamorphosized uh, evolutions of consciousness, like Blavatsky has talked about, where there's the universal human condition and it's happened five times over, the fifth there's six, yeah, yeah, and there's and there's yeah, there's a new coming. It's interesting because it's not that different. Anytime you look at science and theosophy or whatever they're they've tried to concoct some sort of maybe map. believable map <laughs> of what all, all of these other people's legends and experiences and they say hey actually it seems like these aren't different kinds of people they are different kinds of people but they're it's because they're they have gene and then now we know they have gene flow which just co corroborates these old ideas so more and more we have to look back and say hey what were these major events these yugas these extinctions I guess like the first major extinction is supposed to be, um, you know, the surface of the earth is completely covered with iridium. And that's an interesting thing. Why do we have one layer on the earth of set of the 77th element iridium? And it just disappears after that. Is it from volcanoes? You know, they have the, the story of the gods, meteors of the war of the gods, right? Like that's an interesting premise for a new Lemuria. And then out of Lemuria, there is the destruction of a rainforest. But we have Madagascar and um, what's the other one? Malaysia has a forest. It's 130 million years old, right? It's like the oldest forest and has plants that will eat animals, like literally a plant that can eat a goat, right? So, I mean, this right. is, th yeah, things have, things have changed a lot where humans have thrived and have become, they've killed off things. And we're at a point where, we can see that the black rhinos gone extinct things that pretty soon kids are not going to believe rhinos ever existed. You're going to tell them there was a rhino and they're going to say, yeah, right. You know, that thing doesn't make any sense. It's and like the giver. Unless, it's like, Oh, this they, is an elephant, but it's not an elephant. And they're like, what? This is a hippo. And they kind of complete things. So in Have our own lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Read the, the book in school. The book's probably better. I feel like there's a theme here. You're always like the book's better. I saw the movie. I don't know. That <laughs> sounds that sounds so that sounds so lame though. The main You're thing not is lame, like, Andreas. That's why we no, love No, I mean, but but people that say that you should read the book are just saying, I read the book. Yeah, I get no, it. You read you're the not book. Doing no, but no, like the difference image is, is better than the cinematography that there, encapsulated the vision. The, the movie's more a fight against Scientology. It's about the, she's clearly saying that she's upset that her children are being forced. Oh yeah, yeah, to, she was in that movie, know. that chick. Yeah, Tom Cruise's yeah. ex. Forgot about that. But it's but it's it's and it's still it's a great movie in a lot of ways. And it's but I think the book is more about um, the Akashic record, you know, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And also the way it ends, it's very clear. I think one way or the other, it's up to you, the audience. But 
whatever. The main thing is when you when you create a world where you're not allowed to remember what really happened before it, everyone who's living in that world is more comfortable. And that is true. So more people that think that there were never mammoths and rhinos, the better. But we're clearly not going that direction. We're about to see mammoths this year. I bet you this year. I mean, reanimated from genes or whatever? Yeah. I mean, they have all the technology. They have been doing cloning of all kinds what of things. What would be the benefit time. of that, I guess? I mean, in my mind, I think just quickly to dress and just, like, why are we Just doing to put this? it out there because be we spoke awesome. about this and I just got recently relayed a story I can relate here, I guess, anonymously, and it was anonymous, about basically already 20 years ago, scientists basically asking interested parties when they were asked about their research and asking them stuff like, could you imagine a human head being regrown? Could you imagine, you know, stuff like that when they were asked about their confidential work? So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe they finally start with a public disclosure level by reanimating some mammoths, whatever this means. I imagine that that would be the first thing that makes it okay because then they say, hey, look, this thing that you believe exists then we can start to do these weird things that don't exist. Because the hologram dragons, Pope. well, <laughs> <Or> whatever. <laughs> hologram Pope, in, in, that's already happening. We're just saying. I know, but people don't believe that. So if you start, like, you got to start soft. Uh, so yeah. It's like Dra- play. And then you get Dra- dragons are a hard one for people because they took so long to rebrand them as dinosaurs. And dinosaurs don't work. It's just not a and real even thing. Here- again, Crusader Kings uh, referenced, that's what it's good for when you see all the flags. And again, just eagles everywhere and these dragons everywhere you know and there you really can't tell it's not corinthian it's not creation it's not i don't know what like everywhere you have these kind of dragon type creatures everywhere birds birds are dinosaurs i mean birds are dragons birds are reptiles if you look it up that's what they are and at the end of the day there's a lot of different kinds of reptiles and they're really it's fascinating what you can do with different kinds of genes because people think everything that looks away is away a pachyderm is you know a thick skinned no different genes can be fluid and they can so we can reanimate things that look like ways we want the or imagine we we want a dinosaur to look we can say hey this bald green thing but that's probably not what they were like in general we see feathered creatures like giant vultures that existed and that's scary you don't want giant birds running around eating people because razor sharp beaked running birds in the Andes that used to kill people. These are the nightmares of Our South species. America. Yeah, yeah totally. Species. Yeah. All over That's the world. The true. Thing. I mean, basically humans, humans killed was- off giant birds. That's what dragon stories are about. Humans killing off giant birds because they needed to live. Right. And there's a lot of symbology in the sense, like I was saying, Peterson's kind of like, look, we were afraid of a kind of a few types of predators, things from the air, like cat, like things. There was apparently some saber tooth tiger that had like a, a tooth specifically meant for puncturing our brains. So it's like, I mean, after many generations of, you know, kids at the water hole getting eaten by this shit, you start having a subconscious kind of like fear of the amalgam of these things. And maybe that's what the symbol of the dragon is. But then, you know, you're talking more literally like, Oh, they did this transcription. Yeah. I thing. think, I think he just, you know, I don't know. So I like Jordan and I like his daughter. I'm I like Kayla. him more than mine. I don't yeah, know. And, but like, uh, she's cool. Like actually, you know, you should check out her podcast sometimes. It's not that bad. She's a lot of interesting people that she talks to and she's really critical. But the thing I want her dad to do and I want Jordan to do more is I want him to talk about the Jesuit side of things and the hermetic side of things, because there is, I I understand he's, he's, he's apologetic. He's using an apologetic 
way of telling you this is okay. You can talk about these things as a practical way to do it, but it goes deeper. There really are stories of people that were interacting with giant beasts, you know, and these things that could fly or not all birds flew though. So a lot of birds are just running at you, the Moa, you know, but there were giant Eagles like in New Zealand that would just carry off people. And so these stories are based on real cryptozoology. And even to this day, we have giant things like an Argentinosaurus is pretty much still alive in a giant lake in Argentina. They think that the Loch Ness monster, at least up to a point was alive. So it's not so much that you can't believe in those things. There's just a value. And he's right when he says the mythology behind it, because look what humans have done with it. They've said, Oh, well, you know, it was this, and, but honestly, that's not dragons. That's dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are that made up thing because all these stories of dragons are based on this guy fought this bird and we dealt with it. This guy fought this giant alligator and we dealt with it. Dinosaur stories are, man, I want to be famous. I found this bone. I imagine that this, like a this, long, long time ago, <laughs> yeah, this this human leg bone looking thing was probably the pinky finger. And wasn't it all found in one in one state of the U.S. primarily? If that story is correct, that most of I mean, the dinosaur bones were found like in specific locations. There are, and so there, there are, there are, there are in Colorado <laughs> and in Idaho. Ne and Utah oh, they and appeared Nebraska. right next to the Norad base. What a surprise! Ohio, Ohio, which is known for giants, has a bunch of giants. Mounds, uh, I think. Oh, right, giants. Of course, I mean, giant relabeling is also good. A good, yeah. uh, can be a good aspect for that. Yeah. But they're saying, hey, like, what are we going to do? We're going to cover this thing up with uh, skin. So they get like a props guy to build skin for this thing. Hey, this thing, man. <laughs> but they, and so, and I think in the new Jurassic Park movie, they say, like, wait, we found out that these dinosaurs would have had feathers now, right? And then the person says, yeah, but it's an amusement park and people love the way wow. they look. So we genetically wow. augmented them to look like the way they are in the movies, which, yeah. Nice. I, Full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. I thought so, <laughs> but right. That's what they're doing. So very soon in the, that's in the Watchmen, right? The comic book, they say, Hey, mm -hmm. we're going to build this giant, crazy, genetically modified beast, which unites humanity in this fear. And then I think the movie, they pretend it's aliens or something, or is it in the comic? I forget how it works. One way the movie and the comic book, they flip it, but humans being afraid of aliens, pretty much the same thing as being afraid of some Titan, because you say it's from the other, you know, there be dragons. The old maps used to say, don't go to the edge of the earth because there be dragons, where like new lands and new worlds exist. The unknown, unknown. Yes, exactly. I yeah, know that's popular even still to this day in like fantasy role playing games and whatever. Have they can been... fly. Yeah. Birds can fly. Giant. I mean, it's it's pretty reasonable. There could well, be is there anything you want to talk about in terms of the new Atlantis stuff. We didn't really talk about much. And I, I just want to make sure you massage your thoughts on that enough before you put out your new material, just so you could. Yeah, fair. Well, like, okay. So let me read you. Idea. Let me, let me read you uh, a little thing I got. So an idea, this, this is the, this is like the beginning of new Atlantis, how he wrote Sir Francis Bacon wrote it. You shall understand that, which perhaps you will scarce think credible that about 3000 years ago or somewhat more, the navigation of the world, especially for remote voyages, was greater than at this day. The example of the ark that saved the remnant of man from the universal deluge gave man confidence to adventure upon the water. The Phoenicians, and especially the Tyrians, had great fleets. So they had the Carthaginians, so had the Carthaginians and their colony, which is yet further west. 
Towards the east, the shipping of Egypt and of Palestine was likewise great, and Tartaria, and the great Atlantis that you call America. So that's pretty great. At the time, the land was known and frequented by the ships and vessels of the nations before named. And as it cometh to pass, they had many many times of the men of the other countries. There were no sailors. They came with them as Persians, Chaldeans, Arabians, so as that almost all nations of might and fame resorted hither, of whom who have some stirps and little tribes with us in this day. And for our own ships, they went sundry voyages as well to your straits, which you call the pillars of Hercules and to other parts in the Atlantic in the Mediterranean Sea, as to Paguin, which is the same as Cambeline, and Quincy upon the Oriental Sea, as far as the borders of East Tartary. So, there was my first kind of interest. I was like, okay, so it mentions Tartary. And it talks a bit about how the world. I'm kidding. I Sorry. was like, if you see the word, if you see the word Tartary, you're like, I'm going for this. Oh uh, yeah. I didn't know Francis Bacon wrote anything about that stuff. So cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so when, when you start to, let me see where my, my little bit. Um, so at one point he talks about how he has no, he has no heirs to the throne. The Bible's found on the shore. This group of scientists, philosopher, rulers who investigate everything. Um, they decided that they will accept the guidance of these intellectuals and they never misuse the latter beneficiary that they've been given. They build all of these temples and then they have all these weird parts where they talk about like pesticides, problems with leaded petrol I mean, it's weird. Like, I don't know. Things that are like future technologies and things. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at it as like a reset and we're just kind of climbing out of a stone age or whatever. But like, how do you look yeah, at Yeah, basically, basically, like, and again, this is 1600. So this is around the time, like, there's not supposed to be any inter- interest in, in like combustion. Like they're saying he's maybe just the beginning of the time where he could have been hearing about diesel i don't think even think has built his diesel engine yet so this idea that he's interested in, in a world that already is using um combustion is locomotion is, yeah it's pretty crazy it, yeah but they're also trying to he's trying to say that this world's working because they're following his rules like the way he thinks everyone should live and so that's the biggest problem is that if england had only learned how to you know, believe in the perfect mythology and do the you know diligence of work and everyone would be happy. I don't know. It's not really. It's, it's kind of like, really every, like every state tries to tell us like, follow our rules and you'll be happy. Whether it's, yeah, it's not a ha- Russia or whatever. It's not a happy thing. It's like basically whatever inspired America to make up its own mythology and whatever inspired Europeans to create new states with new mythologies and whatever led to the world's fair saying this is what this statue represents and you can grow up in the image of it. It seemed like, again, I think I mentioned earlier, like the secrets of Nim, right? So the secrets of Nim is this story about these mice and these rats and they survived the national Institute of mental health, giving them these psychoactive drugs that make them intelligent. And then they also learn how to, they show them how to read on computer screens and eventually they escape. Most of the rats would have died, but one of the mice, he gets out and he like opens the cage. An elder. Yeah. He's the one that the rats respect. The rest of them, they don't care. But the rats build this weird, like they have stolen all the electricity. In the book, 
They find the toy making manufacturer has left all of these little engines and they've built like in the woods, which is really suspicious. I think it's on purpose, auspicious and suspicious, audaciously suspicious in the book. So that when they walk by it, they're supposed to not see it. And who would this, why would he have left this stuff? And it's just, so I think it's a setup by Nim and they're watching the mice, which leads back to again, what they're doing with the tag and release to people taking the, the, the drugs. <laughs> but the rats We're are deciting they build this oh, Atlantis like world. People keep by keeping them inside the Antarctic rings. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe. I mean if you look at those um what are those watches called? Fitbit GPS results, you know, they're at least right. moving them around. Clearly they're at least getting like little exercises. I mean they're going like a quarter mile around and stuff, so good for them. But um yeah, so basically they build their own new Atlantis because they have human stuff. And they have human batteries and energy and light bulbs. And they have, it's better. It looks like some Byzantine, you know, it's amazing. But half of the rats want to leave. They're thinking to themselves, man, we're built on human. We need to, we need to leave the human presuppositions and build our own rat rodent ideology. So they're trying to escape. And some of the rats say, why, why would we ever leave this? We have this. Release the secret weapon. <laughs> it just makes me think of that. And, uh, and the whole anyway, well it's it's an iconoclastic resolve like the the hooray we destroyed society kind of movie that leads to the reset you know and that these rats are going to leave the farm and that they're going to go build their own new rat order which is pretty weird if you think about it but it also has that baconian idea of we got to end this old world order and we got to old world chaos and build the new world order. And it's it's one of those put a checkerboard early, on like, it and put a G at the top and we got a new kind of system or whatever. Freemasons. Seems like Because in a, in, a, in a positive polarity spin, Freemasons are just trying to tame the wilderness or something, right? Or Yeah. I, I, and it says it's like the chaos of the feminine and we're going to impose the secular state, whatever, all these things as a masculine, like pattern, patriarchy, right? Like pattern. Um, but it seems... Pattern. We're kind of getting to yeah, yeah. Pattern, well, mother, matter, mother. I mean, this is not well, who's who. Who's Hiram a Biff, right? Who's Hiram a Biff, and what's it? What <laughs> He's the it first mean? rat that got out yeah. of the uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I imagine that's what it is, right? Essentially, who? I mean, you whether it's an archetype or whether it's a historical actual figure, um, you've got to have a predecessor. I mean, Abraham and you know Judaism, whatever. You've got to have this Hermes. Uh, you, yeah. You, you just got to have this story that um, launches into new, a new paradigm. I mean, that's kind of what it all is about. And But the problem now is like with globalization and technology and all sorts of weird stuff, like we don't know what to believe. And the new myths, it's just a crazy time. Like I, I personally don't want like a red revolution now. You know, it's like, let's not kill all the intellectuals now. I, I would hope globalism and internet has democratized us enough to like not want to kill each other for stupid reasons. But now we have new myths like, oh, resource scarcity or you know, global warming or whatever these myths are that are going to probably make people do crazy shit, whether the myth or real is kind of debatable, I guess. But um, anyway, I tend to, a lot of people can, a lot of people worry that, you know, and this is not a foreseen consequence of the metaverse, but a hundred years ago, I think it was very obvious to people that we have enough gas, we'll get more gas, we'll go further. They'll eventually see more places. You know, this we'll go to the furthest world uh, lands. We'll see all the lands. And you know what? The stars, we're going to go there too. You know, we're going to go everywhere. It was this idea. Infinite growth paradigm. Yeah. It was an infinite growth paradigm. Now we're in a point where people are saying we can go deeper and deeper into the metaverse and build 
bigger and bigger into my little headset. So as Abdul in- Akbar would say, and they're and they're done- also thinking they've already it's seen it. It's a trap. Everything. Yeah. Have you done psychedelics in VR yet? And you don't have to like tra- say yes or no. It's a trap. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, well, have, do you know anybody who's done psychedelics in VR? Because I'm wondering. I'm a big fan of. I, so I'm. 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 I should probably put up a GitHub article on how to do this. But I. So what I've been doing for a while is you do sensory deprivation tanks with the headpiece that you can put your waterproof phone in, and then you can do sense depth. Waterproof. Uh, yeah, augment with a non-Euclidean space. That's that's Surreal. my jam. Yeah, it's pretty great. And it can, you know, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool, I, I'm not so big into taking drugs when I play video games because I mean, we're in general, really, actually, I don't really take drugs anymore. Like I, when I was in college, I think we can all say, but I try to, I try I to be able to play the game, the game and I fail, the, I fail the game if I play the game. Like, oh, it's hard to stay not, motivated and focused. But I, actually, I think I played Zero Dawn on acid or what I thought was acid at the time. I uh, watched Rick and Morty. I mean, it's fun to do these things, but at some point, if it's a real entheogen kind of thing, you, you realize like the plasticness of it or something. And it's just like, this isn't what I want to focus on. I am pretty interested in like some of the, the military militant enhancements of some of those psychedelic research chemicals. Clearly there's, those can make your brain burn your candle at both ends. So you have to be careful, but there's been evidence that like the DO series, like two dash five dimethoxy four iodo chloral bromo or methyl amphetamine as a very useful dom dob do whatever that's the attention there's bad brown acid at woodstock that was stp which was dom which is like the doi and doc those are supposed to be good and for fixing alzheimer's and helping with uh, mental cleaning and so they're in small doses perhaps useful and that was invented by alexander shulgin you should watch the Dirty Pictures documentary, which is it's called Dirty Pictures because he draws or he, before he passed away, he draws chemicals on the wall and sets them up to, you know, be found by farmers, uh, by chemists, novice chemists who would inv- manufacture these research chemicals. So hmm. I'll check that out. I've never even heard of it. I mean, uh, on- medical applications are interesting, which is because this had been a cliff high predictions from a few years ago that they could actually turn up. And I, I mean, by now, my trust in pharmacaea is pretty at a low end, but still I can very much imagine, you know, a beneficial and not completely, you know, burning yourself out after a few usages, uh, research chemicals, for lack of a better term, that would actually, you know, either even increase your psychic perception in a stable way or uh, whatever. Uh, Do you have any clues on any research or anything? Because they must have something, if anything like this exists, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's a big reason why these drugs are associated with the pharmaceutical uh, antidepressant and psych- antipsychotic medicine because those they use it in the reverse way. Yeah, yeah, these bastards. Yeah. <laughs> but oh yeah, but 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 if you look at the history, that's one of the reasons why it's interesting looking at Soviet uh, medicine because again, we were talking about alpha methyltryptamine. It's a fascinating case study, and I think now you can probably get the information better. When I was in college, it was a uh, it was a lot of work to try to get handwritten notes from doctors in Russian and cursive in Russian. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like, yeah. it's terrible. It's not even, yeah. it's, it looks like someone had a heart attack. It looks like an earthquake is happening on a, it's like, actually Ursula's spells are written in it's, Russian. It's, it's, horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifying. If you write in traditional Russian cursive, 
call me, but you're, you're a terrifying person. So the thing is trying to learn how to read it is almost impossible. And then once you get the Cyrillic figured out and translating it, it, but you find out, Hey, people were taking small amounts of these different chemicals with the intention of getting them back to work and off of whatever problem. And sometimes not only would they solve the problem, but they would, they would like really solve a bunch of problems that we didn't even realize that the entire society was facing at the time. And so that's a, you know, like the, the, a lot of time tryptamines will have major breakthroughs. That what year was you. that? What, what kind of time frame, if you know? So, so like Russian pharmaceutical research during Lenin's time is interesting, but 1930s, I think is when the um, 2-5, uh, what's it called? 25I, uh, no, IT290. IT290 starts to happen. And so from IT290 into the 50s, you have, I forget what they call it. I mean, I wish I'd, I, I haven't studied drugs. You're good, dude. You're I good. did some history on this. Um, just pulling it in your butt, but it's still fascinating. It's like, like, like Iocane or something. Let me look at it. You, you totally do, should do some educational videos on the history of Soviet drug research. I'm sure it'd be popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'd be worth it. Oh, man. And it will reinforce Jim's, uh, you know, uh, judgments against you <laughs> it was sold in rush under the name indopan. indopan indopan so so indopan and it was used so basically dimethyltryptamine you guys have heard about alpha methyltryptamine has got one methylene envelope that holds the tryptamine molecule so if it was a hydroxy tryptophan or tryptamine then the hydroxy would burn up quickly but the methylene holds it for a lot longer they also have ethyl and bromo and different kinds of iodine can hold uh, tryptamine molecules. And that's one of the reasons why 25i that you're taking sounds interesting because it has serotonin and different things that are attached oh, to it's it. Fun. But it's, I thought it was it's a, it's a fellow, it's a, but it's a phenethylamine. I'm pretty sure, which is, I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's a kind of phenethylamine, which is like an amphetamine. So tryptamine. Oh, no, that's where not, my teeth hurt, probably. Yeah. No joke. I was Tryp like, man, my teeth kind of feel weird. <laughs> tryptamines are not. Tryptamines are metatonins and they're basically, um, you know, they're mind. Like if you have serotonin or gabapentin, like GABA in your brain is is mm -hmm. useful for Perfect. functions as well. And you can create a bunch of metatonins, which are the different kinds of melatonin, GABA, um, serotonin. You know, there's there's a lot of different things that will in, involve it's in psychology and sleep and sex and con and um, digestion, Something. hunger, Something. thinking, uh, imagination, winning the lottery. I think is another one that people don't realize. Like you can be confident, you can be lucky, you can have all this sort of um, good luck a lot of the time it's because like, you're uh, intuitive. Like the elixir from uh, Harry Potter or whatever that I, is. Feel it. You don't know talk. Oh yeah, I think like, I is, win. It's actually it a Russian like, research chemical, folks. <laughs> that might be. That's an interesting point, and I, I think it's something I could look into more. But there, it, the the dosages at the time would have been very little, right? And if you didn't take it and you took ten of them or something at the same time, then it would be a psychedelic experience. But right. at a low level, it's like probably that Harry Potter luck kind of thing. But there's a lot of other Soviet drugs that became popular. And in fact, in the United States, there were research, I think AET, alpha ethyltryptamine was in the 80s, a pharmaceutical based on Indopan that was released in the United States that was popular in Ohio and Washington. And there's, so you have to wonder about these little small towns where all of a sudden this crazy thing was unleashed unsuspectingly on people because they were not even going to a discotheque or something like that. You know, this was completely well, out of the blue. Yeah. This was for Grandma. Fringe, of, <laughs> uh, Fringe, an interesting show. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's kind of like the X-Files. Um, J.J. Abrams, yeah. 
Yeah, there was this one episode where, like, a company, I guess, had done weird shit, like, with the deformed people. It's like a small town. They're in the middle of nowhere, and there's, like, electromagnetic weirdness or whatever's going on. It fucks them up, and they have to perceive it differently in the bandwidth of the dome. It's kind of like, you know, if you're in the bubble, you look fine. But if you get out of the bubble, you're a fucking freak, and we'll stay in the bubble. Um, I, We've been talking for two hours, so we'll, we'll let you go. I know you've got a bunch of things to do, but I'm... uh. I'm always glad you come on. I mean, it's always fun to get you on. You're you're a uh, you're a whirlwind of uh, fascination and novelty, so I love it. And uh, just yeah, tell us what you're up to. I guess we know about your you know video and stuff. I'll just kind of spill spill any beans. If and, you guys haven't seen know, the Vice thing, I was about Vice to say that. Where is TV, this? TV's TV's uh, got so. First off, crazy. It's called In My Own World. And so the it's a bunch of episodes about people that are in their own world. So the first one is about a guy who believes that zombies are eventually going to be a problem. And so he's training his kids. And the second one is about an alien hunter who uses SETI uh, technology and looks up at the stars with his community. And then the third one, I mean, come on, it's hilarious. And the third one is about um a dude Andrew. who hunts, go- hunts ghosts hunts ghosts so these are going to be all these people that are like no mine's the finale one mine's the oh one mine's march 15th mine's hollow earth I as, march. as told by the community uh, of tar- recent tartarians march 15 very occult date so good one isn't that good weird good one weird it's march 15 20 22 Monday. I always forget. I always forget the Ides of March. Remember the Ides of March. So, <laughs> hey, we're just talking about possibly Shakespeare's Rube or whatever. So it all syncs up. Uh, yeah, dude, thanks for giving us your time. I know it was like a pinch hit, but you are always awesome and fun. Enjoy Minnesota. It's fucking cold here, but I'm sure it's worse there. Oh, last yeah. last thought on my yeah. Twitter, I posted the picture of the Illuminati card that looks like it says re- it says Evil Geniuses for a Better Tomorrow, and it's the same picture as Neil deGrasse Tyson. And um, Bill Nye, the science guy, like sitting next to each other. It looks exactly like the Illuminati card. So check that out. Andreas Exodus on Twitter. You have to see that. Thanks so much. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. everyone, That's for all. watching and listening. I'm decompress, but always a pleasure. <laughs> Everybody enjoy <laughs> yourselves. Thanks. Peace.